Daniel, this is the cold open. He's going to leave that in. <laughs> That's how the episode is going to begin. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, because uh, kobolds are, which is what we're talking about this week, kobolds are uh, flighty and they're scared and they're always running away and then they come back later in greater numbers and they regroup all the time. Mm. Should players retreat more often? And if so, should you reward them for retreating and being tactical like that? Well, we pride ourselves in Britain that we haven't lost a war since 1066 because we don't call it retreat. We call it a tactical withdrawal. And I'm okay with <laughs> I, I, I've got a question about the Revolutionary War. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's a whole other bag of worms, guys. <laughs> I'm okay with the occasional tactical withdrawal. Or if it's something like the colonies, we call it abandonment, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but seriously, if, if the players are overwhelmed, nine times out of ten, they will just roll up the sleeves and say, we're going to do it. I think it should be made an option for them more often. I think we should be uh, honest as DMs and saying, this fight seems unwinnable. It is quite obvious that you are not going to win this fight. Yeah. And and uh, and make it make it more of an option for them. Um, because if I don't think if we if we if we don't put it out to them, they won't. They'll just keep going. Players are stupid. I'm one. Uh, we're we're dumb. Yeah, I think terrain wise, you kind of have to describe that there is an exit strategy if you were to have it. Perhaps a blinking sign or something. Something like, like that. this way out if you want to go. <laughs> if or, the emergency lighting comes on and there's an exit sign. Right? Pointing, yeah. But more of like a, if you're in a field, be like you are see a field. There are multiple exits and entrances. Like. Mm. So they know that there is a way out of this field that isn't just where they came in and what they're staring at. Yeah, that's actually one of the things we're going to talk about with the kobolds is in their lairs. They have escape tunnels all over the place to be able to get out. But I noticed that a lot of the times players don't give themselves that same same opportunity. So um, I like it. Do we recommend that players should just retreat more often? They should just write that on the character sheet as an option of of something to do because whenever they're up against overwhelming odds they're always okay well you guys go left and we'll go right they'll split the party before they retreat yes I think it should just be right from session zero just made an option so I mean there's that big beautiful map behind you there Adam where what you've done in your world is you've you've annotated where some major threats are yep so it's already known in the world that uh, your dragon turtle or whatever's over there so if the players go to it um, that's on them they, the, the world does not care that they are only level 8 if you're up against a CR20 because you have gone where that thing is and you've been warned. So I think right from session 0, it needs to be made known, hey, you can't win all of these fights. There's just things in the world that are too powerful and it is okay to withdraw. Uh, to withdraw. And I think once if you start your campaign with that in mind, I think the players will go with it instead of trying to bring it in later yeah. without a conversation about it beforehand. And I think most people understand that the big powerful enemy is the big scary thing that you should retreat from. But this is 5th edition overwhelming odds will kill you just as fast as, as an Astral Dreadnought or a Kraken. Yeah. Right? If they just have 25 attacks in a round, you're done. That's just how it was. Uh, we saw that happen in our own game on Sunday um, where Dan walked into a room with seven enemies and said, I can take them. And he could. They only had 40 hit points each. Yeah. But there were seven attacks around. Yeah. And that was enough to, to knock him down to zero hit points, right? So, and then everyone else had to rescue him. Oh, did Lockie die? Happy day. Uh, no, he was scalped and they were sawing through his skull, trying to pull his his brains out. Um, <laughs> and while they were pouring health potions into his mouth to keep him conscious at the same time. Yes. And that's when the others had to come in and rescue him. Oh. So, I was not at the table. No, he, he ran around... <laughs> He ran around naked with none of his gear or, or weapons or anything. Dan did? Yeah. Uh, Dan actually at the table. Yes, did. Um, but uh, for the rest of that encounter, which was fantastic. 
would not have happened if he had retreated. Right. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Megan, and Terry. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. I'm Adam, and with me today are Terry and Megan, and we're talking about kobolds. Guys, do you like kobolds? Oh, yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just thinks I'm sitting here by myself now. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the feel that I'm getting from that whole thing. <laughs> like, oh, well, this is just you. <laughs> Megan waited for a cue to start the conversation. She doesn't do that with this with us that often. Now, yeah. just didn't speak, so... Yeah. It's true. I know. I didn't get a chance to warm my voice up before we started, so... I would like to say I am back by popular demand. <laughs> yeah. Of one person. Yeah, because I asked you to come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody told me. I walked in and went, Megan, I, <laughs> I've forgotten something is happening. Um, do you guys like kobolds? I do like kobolds. Do they rank high in your list of mobs? I like kobolds, but well, I don't know, we'll, we'll get into it later. <laughs> yeah, no, no, of course, well, I'm looking for a yes or but no. But yes, they do rank high for me. Yeah, do they? Mm-hmm. Under Knowles, you said Knowles were your favorite? Knowles mm, are no longer my favorite. I think I very, I, I love Knowles when we did the Knowles episode, and then everything was very Knowly in my life for a while, and I quickly got sick of Knowles, so I put them on the back burner, and now I'm all about kobolds this week. Are you? Yeah. Megan, how do you feel about kobolds? Um, as a player, I enjoy them for combat practice. <laughs> <laughs> the target practice, and that's what they're for? Basically, yeah. I mean, that's my most experience I've ever had with them, is mostly just practicing my combat skills and mm-hmm. tactical skills. Well, so. to be fair, they're not very imposing one at a time. Yeah. Like, it's the horde of themselves, the full tribe that makes them dangerous. But and that's I, when you have to think about your tactics. I found out this week that they're they're much smaller than even I thought they were. I thought they were about three and a half, maybe four feet tall, but they're like two or to two and a half feet tall. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're tiny. They're, they're tiny. Like, they're like goblin size. Yeah. Smaller than that, I think. Yeah, a yeah. mastiff is going to look them square in the eye, right? Yeah. They're not quite tiny sized, but like dwarves are the minimum, um, like medium sized creature. Kobolds yeah. are the are the minimum small sized creature, right? Yeah. So, for those of you who don't know anything about kobolds, let me bring you up to speed. Kobolds are little reptilian bipeds uh, with delusions of grandeur. Mm-hmm. Really, um, they consider themselves dragonkin, although the base kobold doesn't have wings or a breath weapon, and they're smaller than the average dwarf. They're lawful evil, and they can speak common and draconic. And they have disadvantage on attack rolls and perception checks that rely on sight when they're in direct sunlight. So they like the shadows and the darkness. Uh, They can live to be 120 years old, but they're so weak and they're easily preyed upon by other creatures. So most don't live very long. Uh, They reach adulthood at like six years old, but most don't see the age of 20. They have to resort to strength in numbers to survive. And uh, they're innately good at building and tunneling and setting traps. Uh, and often combine the three when creating lairs. They're very similar to dwarves uh, as far as their their skill with stonework and, and underground excavation and mining and whatnot. There was a, there used to be a kobold god. As far as they're concerned, there still is. His name is Kirtlemac. And he's said to be trapped forever underground um, after the gnomish god... Garl Glittergold trapped him there as a prank. How do we feel about these names, Terry? I fucking hate these <laughs> names because they just sound like, well, they're made up names, but they sound like people didn't try very hard. Yeah, Garl Glittergold drives me up the wall. No, that's... I couldn't say that for years. Couldn't wrap my mouth around those marble noises. It sounds like a guy 
who had like a one-hit wonder in the 70s or something. He walks around with a tracksuit and a big chain and like too much chest hair sticking out. And he's just, yeah, just living off that one-hit wonder. You guys remember Aquatine Hunger Force with the uh, the, the guy that Rylock was... And- yeah, yeah, yeah. But remember there was a neighbor, the fat guy with the mustache? Yep. yep. That's what Garl Glittergold looks like to me. Aqu- what was it? What's it called? Aquatine Hunger Force. What is that? It was oh, I, you are from overseas. You're not gonna... Yeah, get- this was very mm-hmm. much a Canadian Was it a Canadian thing? Yeah. yeah. Um, Aquatine Hunger Force? Yeah. Yeah, Google that shit. It's good. <laughs> I'm not sure it was good, but it did I, exist. I, but it was I Canadian. God damn it. <laughs> Aquatine Hunger Force and Degrassi. That's all we watch. So, a- a- anyway, Garl Glittergold trapped Curdle Mac um, as a prank. Curdle Mac was a glorious servant of Tiamat, and uh, to be struck so low has resulted in all kobolds hating all pranks and all gnomes for all eternity. And that's really the big thing that they hate more than anything else are gnomes and mischievous antics. They don't want any part of that shit. No? No, none whatsoever. Which is funny because I... I, And they're traps. They're trap-orientated. Yes, yeah, and that's why it makes me tweak a little bit, like, why would you do this? But for them, that's not about being funny. It's defense mechanism, right? Right. Um, in my head, I'm like, think about a porcupine that doesn't like to get stabbed. Yeah. I mean, th- that makes perfect sense to me, but all they do is stab back, right? Well, it's because they're thought to be the better stabbers, not the stabby. <laughs> I guess. I'd be offended. And from, <laughs> from what I know about combat, that is more important. Um, so kobolds are shy and timid when they're alone, and most people consider them to be cowardly, but considering that they're enslaved or eaten by many other creatures, they kind of have an excuse to be pansies yep. and to run away, right? Life is kind of shit on kobolds the entire existence, mm-hmm. ever since their god got trapped underground. Uh, in fact, most other creatures aren't even interested in dealing with kobolds as a race. But they do enslave them because of how industrious they are. So if you want to expand your tunnels or your lair or your volcano castle or whatever, you enslave a bunch of kobolds and make them do the digging. Right? Yeah. Because um, dwarves will want money. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, if the kobolds get cornered or their tribe is in danger or they have overwhelming numbers in their favor, they are going to be vicious as all hell. Right. But you really have to have the right circumstances for that. Ideally, they just want to be left alone with their little hordes of trinkets, and they want to protect their territory. Their lairs are usually full of tight, winding tunnels, and they're conscious of creating tripping hazards and load-bearing issues like low railings and weak bridges to deter incursions, right? One of the things that it says in Volos is that if there's like a very narrow ledge, they'll create a little railing that is high enough to keep them from toppling over, but low enough that a human is going to trip on it and go flying over the edge. Love it. Yeah. So, uh, now, there is one race that likes to employ kobolds, and that is the humans. They'll often get kobolds to do underground dirty work like dig sewers and connect waterways. And if the kobolds are treated well enough, they may have a strange symbiotic relationship with a city above, although they don't come out during the night, and most people won't even be aware that they're there. They don't come out during the day? Did I say they won't come out during the yeah, night? they don't come out during the yeah, day. Yeah, no, they yeah. don't come out during the, during the day. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, because they, they've got the light sensitivities. So. Yeah. 
Um, so nobody knows they're there. They'll see evidence of the fact that there was work done. Like all of a sudden a new sewer grate popped up over here, but nobody knows why or how. Yeah. All the garbage cans have been uh, like knocked over and stuff. <laughs> Moved slightly to the left. Yeah. The dog's yeah. gone. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but there are no, there are no direct sightings of cobalt often for years. Yeah. Right. So, um, and they won't just go out and eat a pet. Or start moving things. They don't want anyone to know that they're there because that means that people are aware of them and they get hunted. Right. So they really are um, very elusive. Kobolds are primarily scavengers of junk and refuse, but they're not above stealing if there's minimal danger and a good enough reward. If they're caught, they'd rather retreat than face a battle, although some aggressive types of kobolds have been known to exist. Regardless, though, they'll jump at the opportunity to hinder or annoy gnomes. They won't necessarily be out for blood, but they will do really petty things like poison their houseplants and water down their ale or spill ink on their books. Yeah. This, to them, is is retribution. I also do that similar type of thing to things that are smaller than me. You know what? I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon, um, I don't see you very often. Be nice to me. <laughs> I'm very sensitive. <laughs> Um, it's too bad that Dan's not here because I was just prepared to rip on gnomes for this entire episode. Yeah. Um, well, it's not often that it ends up me being the one who's going to get ripped on. And I walked into this room and went, I'm not getting out Today? of here. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, gnomes uh, have been known to keep a wide berth from cobalt infested areas, but there have been clashes between the races. When it comes to magic items, though, cobalts will take the risk of detection and even combat if they think they can get the item. They reason that any magic item might somehow be able to free their god because they have no understanding of how arcane magic works. Right. They have no idea if that uh, pebble with light cast upon it is as powerful as a deck of many things. Yeah. They just know, ooh, that's magic, and we're going to take that back to the tribe sorcerer, and he'll figure it out, and he'll release the god with this. Yeah, yeah. Which is... Kind of amusing to me that they will risk their neck for anything. Yeah, right? everybody's TV remote's been stolen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, despite their cowardly ways, kobolds believe that they have a great destiny. Each one of them has been raised to believe that they themselves have great power inside based on their draconic heritage. Whether or not they're truly created from the blood of dragons is completely open to debate, but they believe it wholeheartedly. Mm. Dragons we discovered or determined earlier in the podcast and in another episode were warm-blooded, which is why we can have white dragons up in the Arctic. Right. Kobolds are distinctively cold-blooded, but they kind of look like little anorexic dragons, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. But they used to look like dogs, right? Didn't they used to be more humanoid? Yeah, but yeah, they were dog people in like earlier editions of D&D. Yeah. Okay. They were like little terrier people. Oh. Um... So kobolds now though, and I was like, "Are you a dog person?" <laughs> I don't think he's a cat person. Um, they are in awe of chromatic dragons, uh, and they serve them blindly as if they were gods. And while they don't worship Tiamat directly, they do acknowledge that she was the master of their god. Um, some kobolds are natural sorcerers, and they see this arcane magic as a link to their draconic ancestry. This means that they tend to focus on magic that can divine where precious metals are, where items are, uh, magic that's used for both combat and mining, not just one or the other. They don't give a shit about necrotic damage, but Thunder Wave might be useful. Yeah. Um, and magic that enhances either material or allies in some way to boost or beef up what they have. They tend not to have divine casters at all among their ranks because Kirtlemac is cut off from the world. But there are some shamans and priests 
They're usually wearing torn orange ceremonial clothing, usually have an image of a gnome's skull displayed somewhere. They have little use for healing magics because, and this is canon, they're so frail that most injuries just result in immediate death anyway, so why bother healing? It surprises me that their lifespan can be so long. That, yeah. they, that they can live to 120 when they're so frail. I feel like those are got to be the craftiest ones, right? Yeah. yeah. The most cowardly ones. Yeah. I think we just said the same thing, but mine is a little bit more yes. complimentary. Cobalts <laughs> um, are, are all about the tribe, and they accept the role within the tribe that best suits them. Also, cobalts aren't banished or exiled for weakness because even the weakest member of the tribe adds value. But don't mistake this for affection. They're lizard-brained, and their ideas of personal loyalty is faint at best. They mate briefly based on convenience. There's no real familial bonds created. Also, again, not surprised. <laughs> Megan, I'm a generous lover. I didn't want to bring this up. I didn't want to bring this you up. You bring up every third episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Today we're talking about dragons. I'd like it to be noted I am a very generous lover. <laughs> It's always a good way to start. So, um, so yeah, they don't really have any families to speak of. It's not like they mate. There's no marriage ceremonies. There's nothing like that. They breed and move on. The eggs that they lay are considered part of the tribe, and kobolds don't bother to keep track of parentage. Up to six eggs, uh, six eggs can be laid in a clutch, and they hatch between nine and thirteen weeks. In addition, if given enough time, kobolds can gradually change from one sex to another. It doesn't take many of them to repopulate an area because they're able to change their own sex and then interbreed amongst themselves. And it's it's slow. Yeah, it's, it's, slow. it's not it's not immediate. It takes like weeks. Oh, okay. Imagine meeting one that's halfway through and trying to figure out which direction they're going. No, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> No, can you please explain that gra- further? <laughs> Adam said it's a gradual change between sexes. So imagine if you met one that was halfway through and you're trying one to One of them just has like a little nubbin and you're like, all right, are we coming or going? Is it getting bigger or smaller? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. way are we going? Thank you for that description. <laughs> just saying. You meet a cobalt, you're like, you've got nice eyes and a little button nose, but I need to know which way this is going. I'm just glad that you referred to it as a nubbin. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. He did. He said nubbin. I said nothing. <laughs> is the nubbin nothing? <laughs> no? So that's what I'm yes. saying. It might be soon. We don't know. It's good to check. <laughs> okay. So because they can swap genders, uh, there's no real gender roles in cobalt society at all and everyone is essentially just a cousin of everyone else any position can be filled by either gender or someone transitioning between one sex or the other they believe that Colonel Mac sends their departed souls into the next eggs that are about to be uh, laid so the concept of death is frightening and inconvenient but not something worth dreading cobalt bodies are disposed of them in the most convenient ways possible and there's no such thing as a funeral depending on the nature of the tribe sometimes bodies are just just eaten if there's not enough food around. Mm-hmm. So they can be cannibalistic sometimes. Mm. Oh, yes. If an important kobold dies, then the kobolds watch the hatchery and they pull the next egg out so that the hatchling can be groomed for leadership. So they really do believe in reincarnation and they don't really have any sense of gender or the concept of death. Like, there's no real ending for them. So the concept of I am a like I think therefore I am like my concept of self. Yeah. Doesn't really apply to a cobalt. They're all about the tribe and and the horde and 
it's a very unique perspective, especially in D&D. Like, they're not so much worried about their own skin. They don't want to be hurt. They don't want to be killed. They'll avoid any sort of conflict, but it's more about an inconvenience than anything else. Yeah, they they sound quite selfless, to be honest. Which is interesting. Yeah, isn't like yeah. the whole concept about like the whole, the eggs, is that they just hoard all the eggs together and they hatch. They don't actually have, these are my eggs, these are your eggs. No, no, they, they drop They're them like, off at the hatchery and say, hey, like look, I made eggs. these. Yeah. 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 Um, so, Cobalt's going back to work. <laughs> uh, kobolds are omnivorous, meaning they eat pretty much whatever they stumble upon, and they will try to use every part of a kill for either meat, supplies, or tools. They actually shed their teeth as they age, often keeping displays of their own teeth as status symbol to show their age. Some have even been known to steal each other's teeth to falsely represent themselves. Ooh. Which I think is kind of funny. So that's their bling, is their own teeth. Yeah. Or somebody else's Well, teeth. Uh, they have more yeah. bling. Just, just wait for it. Uh, Started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> just teeth. Cobalt's <laughs> <laughs> uh, try to avoid eating intelligent creatures. Uh, they actually call intelligent creatures talking meat. Um, but mostly they don't want to face the consequences of retaliation. And that's, so that's why they uh, avoid eating other people or even fighting them. Um but the more desperate they become, the more that this rule seems more like a guideline. And some tribes don't even seem to adhere to it at all, especially if they're from harsher climates or areas where food is scarce. They do prepare their meat, though, by slow roasting or slow boiling their captives while alive. And their cooking procedures are long-winded, overly complicated, and strangely comical at sometimes. And many people that they are in the middle of cooking often escape. <laughs> This is like they're basically like chefs, or something. yeah. But like the worst chefs ever. They were the worst. Yeah. Typically, you would kill the food before <laughs> cooking it. So they just like throw spices on people that they're still alive. Yeah, stuff. but I assume that they don't really know what what the spices are so right. much. They're like they're just they have a handful of a, a chunk of salt. Yeah, and they're the seasoning and they just whip know. it at somebody like a softball. They're mixing curry and cilantro. They got no idea what's going on. <laughs> there you go. Um, that's how I cook. <laughs> Just like I don't know the three the three spices on the left are going in this dish. Um, cobalt tribes rarely fight among themselves, but it has been known to happen, especially over food. Um, but like territory where there's food, like there's a large herd moving through this area, so they'll fight over this valley where there's a lot of deer or something. For the most part, they do avoid conflict, as I said earlier, but they have a severe persecution complex and long resentful memories. They're not wise, they're not overly smart, but they're smarter than an orc, and they will remember being fooled if they can figure out in the first place that they have been fooled. Right. Uh, and they will fly into a fit of rage if you push them too far, at which point they become surprisingly dangerous. Kobolds are cold-blooded and prefer warmer climates. If there are kobolds in other areas besides, like, the tropics or or uh, warm, hot jungle areas, they tend to have fewer numbers and be more vicious. They like dense ground away from soft earth that is difficult to burrow into, like bogs or sand, and they prefer mountainous regions with natural caves. Their eyes are very sensitive to sunlight, so they rarely come out while the sun is out. There are lists and names, um, sorry, lists of names and uh, scale colors in Volos, but they're mostly simple, harsh names and earth tone colors. Uh, don't think anybody's surprised by that. You're not going to find a neon purple cobalt. Right. Uh, and his name's not going to be like Cornelius. <laughs> uh, should be. Write that down. <laughs> uh, 
They have great access to gems, ore, and other precious metals and stone. And while they don't have their own currency, they do use nuggets of metal for trade. They're competent crafters, and they make surprisingly good jewelry and trinkets. They tend to focus on portable wealth that can be relocated easily, and they covet their little hordes like a dragon would. So they will mine a whole bunch of, of metal. They'll mine gems. They'll make a whole bunch of, of really nice bracelets and amulets and necklaces and rings, and they'll cover themselves in it so that they can just book it with all of their gold immediately. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what I'm able to find on the society of, of kobolds and kind of their social structure. You guys have any thoughts on that before I start asking questions? In some ways, their traits are, are not surprising, but then in other ways, like it's they're not violent, but they hold a grudge. Like that's that's strange, but that probably comes from the whole gnome rivalry that they have. They don't like being tricked. Are, are you a, a a Harry Potter fan? Do you know Do you know Harry Potter? Of Harry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I don't even try to say it properly because Terry yells at me when I get it wrong. Now I will go with Potter. Yeah. yeah, of course. But are you, are you are you a Harry Potter fan? Did you say North America? So, sorry, it's a Harry Potter. Is that, am I closer? That's uh, closer. Oh, I'm not even going to try. This is not worth my time. <laughs> you know, there, there's Dobby, the, the house elf. But remember there was like a like a cranky old hel- house oh, yeah, elf yeah, yeah, too? Yeah. He was a right dick. Right. But I figured that's what a kobold is as far as like, they're not going to raise a hand against you, but they'll remember every little slight and they're probably going to piss in your soup. Yeah. Well, I also feel like it's their environment that they grow up in, too. Like, depending on who they're worshipping, or if they are a follower, or if they are a slave, or what they are. Like, that also will depict what their mob mentality becomes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I still feel that they... With, it, it makes a big deal in Volos about how much they will hold a grudge. Yeah. Um, and I think that they'll hold an individual grudge against one person. But they're not that smart. And they may just say, you know, the last three humans I ran into were all mean to me. Therefore, all humans are mean, yeah. and therefore I hate them. Yeah, and so should you, right? And so, like, <laughs> I I think that that's kind of where, it where builds. yeah, yeah. So uh, I've got a couple of questions. Do you guys want to roll some dice first? We'll find initiatives. Sure, or? this is my favorite one that I've ever picked out here. This uh, what is that? Uh, like a, a translucent turquoise? Turquoise? Is yeah. this a turquoise? I'd say it's a teal. Megan, teal. All right. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was a good number, Megan. Dickhead. Sorry, friend. Sorry, that was aggressive. <laughs> that was hey, uh, we tied with nines, Terry. Wow. I'm sorry. I don't do podcasts with you very often. Wow. I just went in like I treat everybody else. <laughs> we both rolled nines. We got to roll again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Nineteen. Okay. Son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, but you you got uh, you're going first, Megan, with your eleven over our nines. So my first question is. Do you like or dislike the five E kobolds as a as a general rule? Um, I just, I like them for their simplicity. I like them for their adaptability, and I enjoy the fact that you know I can use them as fighting practice fodder. Um, so because for as to be honest, like I've never really used them in a DM situation. I've only really ever come across them as a player. Yeah. Um, the only thing that makes me really sad about it is like they're the first thing you think of, which unfortunately is another one of your questions, but it kind of ties into this. Um is that they're thought to be stupid or like their intelligence is very low or mm-hmm. they're thought to, to our players who know what kobolds are, are thought automatically to be fodder. So no one takes the time to talk to a kobold, which I know sounds really sad, but no one does <laughs> oh my God. take the time to talk to a kobold. Because, talk to a kobold. I know, but like, I'm thinking, because the reason why I thought about that was because I'm thinking of all these awesome, cool ideas I was thinking of for my kobolds, but I'm like, no one is ever going to know that I thought of that. <laughs> 
Because, because my what, my stupid level five team is going to roll in and Rick roll. Well, then you need to roll up a, a cobalt bard. Really? <laughs> that needs to be your character. High charisma. When Adam was talking earlier, I thought about cobalt wild magic sorcerer. I thought it would be hilarious. Yeah. But a cobalt bard, even better. Right. But that's why I like them because they are, you can adapt, you can mold them. You can, again, based on their environment, yeah. depict what they do and do for your team, right? Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, I went next. Yeah. Yes. Uh. I love Cobalts. They're probably second to Knolls. Only because I feel like I can inject them into society a little bit easier than I can with a lot of the other mobs. It's hard to just have a whole pile of orcs in the middle of your city. Or just some Knolls hanging out <laughs> yeah, in a bar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you really have to stretch it. I mean, I do that in my campaign. Yeah. Of course. But, but I mean, by strict D&D rules, that's very difficult to do. You can have goblins and Cobalts and that's... Pretty much it, right? Yeah. Um, but I really like the idea of them being like the unseen custodians of of like human cities. And when you're wandering around and you see that there are not a whole lot of gnomes in the city, there's a lot of halflings and elves and dwarves, but no gnomes. There's probably kobolds around. Kobolds you just don't right? see them because yeah. it's the daylight, and they're probably hiding until the evening, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I really do like them, Terry. What do you have? I I I do like kobolds. I thoroughly enjoy their pack tactics that they have, and um, and I'll use that as part of my tactics talk later. Um, but what I don't like is that their wisdom is so low. I agree that they're not academically intelligent, but I think from the way that they use their traps, um, their like society and the perception of the world they have around them, I think their wisdom should be higher. I think they are in tune with the world around them. They're just but, not academically intelligent. I think it's because they're lizard-brained, right? I think it's because they're logical, and so they they don't understand the gray area. Right. They get the black and white yeah, of, you're right. of, of the matter. Yeah. And I think the trap setting is just a logical, instinctual response to, well, if I put a weak pillar over here and then pull this rope, then, yeah. then over there, they'll, that'll cave in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of that. I read their pack tactics as more as this is how I'm going to survive. Not necessarily I'm doing this because I'm a smart combat yeah. If we wizard. all work together, <laughs> together guys. No. I don't think Teamwork it's like a, makes the dream work. Yeah, I don't see like Karen operating this mission. It's more of a... <laughs> it is definitely more of a survival. We do this because it helps us survive, not because we're smart in yeah. any way, shape, or form, right? So, um, Okay, so my next question is, what's your favorite part of Cobalt Society then? After that big, long rant that I did. Sure. Are we going in the same order? Yeah. Megan, what do you got? Um, I would say that my favorite part is the fact that they are very, like, family life oriented. And I mean that in the sense that, you know, it takes a, a village to raise their kids. Right? A hatchling. A hatchling. Yeah. So I just love that. I, like, I would love to lean into that tactic of that there would be a cobalt horde of moms like, you know, appointed, the, you take care of the eggs, you'd like this kind of, like, mm-hmm. motif. Like, I just think that's really interesting. I think that it would really mess with the group of players, too, that were, like, going out to exterminate the cobalt, like, infestation under the city. And they find a big room full of eggs and, like, four or five mothers that are just sitting there turning the eggs like over. Like, nurses, and, yeah. like, nursing caps and, and everything. Yeah. Just. And <laughs> you know the barbarian in the group is just going to go in an egg-smashing, stomping, like, yeah. crusade through that room. Because they won't take the moment to talk to a kobold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on your side. I, uh, my, no, my favorite part about it is their inability to recognize the power of magic. Mm. That all magic is the same to them. It's there, cute. There are sorcerers, but... That's it, mm-hmm. and those sorcerers have just the innate draconic bloodline going through them. Yeah, there are. They, it says most are draconic sorcerers, but there. So there are other ones. 
but it's not like you're going to get clerics or bards or definitely not wizards. I, I don't even know if they're literate. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of the average kobold just picks up a wand and goes, what's this? Looks at it, shakes it, mm-hmm. and then blows his own head off. Yeah. The next one goes, it's the most powerful magic item in the world, not realizing that was a firebolt, <laughs> and then running away with it, right? right? But it isn't even the concept of the fact that they have divination in some of their people just specifically for so you can predict if something is coming to destroy your like the, like depict the future of what's going to happen to your tribe yes it, it's okay so this is where it gets a little bit weird um with D magic divination is one of the schools it's a category it's a category of magic yeah but it's not divine god-given magic yeah, yeah. so it while it is divining the future it's not a divine gift yeah. right so that can be a little bit strange for some people but they, yeah, they do want to know when danger's coming, and more importantly, where are they going to mine next? Yeah, is this a good place to dig, or should we go ten feet over there and do it there? Right. right. So. I just find it interesting that they can use magic; that they would use magic to do that. Yeah, I like the idea of them having little like dowsing rods, but like oh for, my god, for <laughs> Earth. it's just a bunch of like Y-shaped sticks that yeah. are lined up in the in the closet over there. Oh my god, uh, Terry, what's your favorite part of my favorite part? Might seem simple as the traps. And I, because I think that they're, uh, I, I, I don't think they're explored enough. I think often the traps are done too simply. I think, imagine generations and generations and generations of these kobolds making these, these crazy wacky traps. You can get so deep with this. You can get I, so I know, out of the box. I want to know all about traps later when we're talking about combat, because that's a huge factor yeah. for kobold combat. But that's my favorite part yeah. of them, is, is just, imagine, I think even their cave networks and stuff should be like, an, like a total fun house. I don't think you should just be able to walk in. It's going to be ridiculous. A lot of them have already been set off. There's one kobold just burned to a crisp over at the side, but they don't do funerals, so he's staying there. You know, yeah, just, it, yeah, it was more convenient to leave him half buried, right? But than, to have yeah. a whole society built on this, I think is it's so Peter Pan. I love it. I'm imagining the labyrinth. Um, again, I use Never this seen it. on a regular basis. But when they're walking through and the, she marks the ground with yeah. the, the lipstick, and then like a little gremlin comes up and turns it around and puts it back. Yeah, like that's what I'm imagining. Just kobolds. Like if you say when you said funhouse, I'm just imagining kobolds like setting up traps and just fucking up your. Strategy. Uh, I'm thinking of like they they don't they don't have the ability to make their own mirrors, but they want you to be confused about which direction you're going. So there's one guy that's watching you from like a hole up in the ceiling, going, <laughs> "You're going the wrong way." Yeah, don't go that way. You don't want to go left. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> all right. So besides the funhouse, uh, Terry, no, Megan. Yeah. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about kobolds? Well, I mean, I kind of already mentioned it. It's a lack of intelligence. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Just like they're... I just imagine just a bunch of people running around in circles smacking into each other, but they're actually supposed to be tactical with their mob the, mentality. Yeah, that, that, so, that was my thing, too. The first thing I think of is a Three Stooge yeah, factor. Yeah, like whacking of them. people over the head with pots and pans. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I think But that's of. really not what they are, Exactly. Right? So, it, I don't think they deserve the comical reputation that they have. Yeah. Not the way, like, I'll make that argument for for goblins to a degree. Yeah. Right? But not necessarily kobolds. Not, not the same way. No. Like, they're just, they're at least a kind of intelligent society that knows what they do. They have a purpose and they serve it. There's no real... They're not idiots, but they're just not... I mean, they are idiots, but they're not fools, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they're easy to fool, though, is the thing, right? You throw them a shiny rock and they're like, ooh, midgets. <laughs> I'm sorry that they say what? 
I'm not saying it again. I she was speaking Spanish for a second. <laughs> but, like, that's because you can fool them easily, right? They're easily manipulated, which is why they end up in slavery. They're, like, it's just that lack of intelligence, right? Yeah, and, yes, you're right. Well, that is why they would be enslaved, right? You only have to kill one and say, I'm going to do this to the rest of you, and they'll be like, oh, shit, okay. Sure, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, right. What yeah. do you need? <laughs> yeah. Terry, what do you think about I kind of think of... Um, I, I think of the little uh, the little alien uh, stuffed toys from Toy Story in the thing, like the car. The car decides who will go and who will stay. <laughs> yeah. Like they're all united in this one <laughs> belief. However ridiculous it is to everybody from the outside world who is on the outside of that uh, vending machine looking in, but they're like they're they're stuck to it, and every generation uh, follows the same rules, even though they seem ridiculous to everybody else. But to their credit, they're united in their faith, and so it gets shit done for them. Yeah, in a, in a big way. And um, there's they actually have a little bit about that on the combat side of things in Volas as well, which I want to talk about in a little bit. But I guess my last question for this section, Megan, what would you choose to include about Kobolds if you were going to do your own homebrew campaign? I, I like the ideas of the tunnels that yep. half your party can't fit into them. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that would be a good like tactic about kobolds to throw in there being like something that you need is within a kobold horde and none of your teammates can fit into it. So now what is your goal and how are you going to get in there? Do you make friends with the kobolds? Do you attack the kobolds? I love it because they've built their house for them, not for you. Yeah. It's to suit them. Like, don't, And if, if you go into some sort of staff break room or whatever, all the little couches are going to be small. The shelving units are tiny. Right? The teapot is ridiculously small. <laughs> but I think that'd be hilarious because then you have to, as a player, tactically think of how you're going to get into this place you can't fit. Yeah, yeah. All, all of a sudden the hobgoblin, the half-orc, and the goliath that were all like really proud of themselves yeah. up to this point realize they have to send in the gnome and that's a bad idea now yeah yeah i like that too um uh i would definitely add the idea that um of the complex social structure of the kobolds yeah um and i would try to bring how do you bring up the idea of like oh they can swap genders organically into a campaign yeah. when everyone's just murdering kobolds as far as the eye can see, right? Yeah. They don't have an opportunity to speak. I feel like every kobold that I would have would get down to the point where they, they would run and when they would get chased and they would hit a dead end and they would just go, wait! Hands up, freaking out, wait! Hold on. You don't even know me. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> right? Like, like, aren't you a dude? Funny story. Funny story. <laughs> <laughs> You capture on it's like wait this is a girl yeah. this is a boy yesterday <laughs> let her go yeah she like done nothing yeah I think that you can you could play with with some of the more strange the more awkward parts of the of these um, cobalt like not not that the gender swapping is awkward but it's very different from everything else and it's gonna make the players on the table stop and go wait a minute there's more here than I originally expected mm-hmm. yeah and now I, I want to know more and you're probably not going to get to know more right they're gonna give you as much info as as uh, as benefits them before they then turn around and fuck off back to the sewers because they don't want to be a part of this. They don't want to have this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to get involved, right? And so, and they've probably seen their cousins, because they're all cousins, um, get murdered by dwarves just as much as orcs, just as much as beholders and elves and like everybody murders kobolds. Yeah. Except for humans and dragons, I guess, right? Yeah. So... 
Well, I mean, he would I, still do. Something I think that uh, that I would, would I enjoy, I think, is Lost, is the fact that they kind of wear their history and they loot things and they're covered, you said earlier, they're covered in like rings and little things that they find. Yeah. So that's something you can play with exploration and, and role-play encounters for sure because they're going to be, they're going to have those clues exposed without realizing it. So you can be like, Hey, Cobalt, have you seen any elves around here? No? Okay, because you're wearing the elf crown as a belt. So yeah. <laughs> you're kind of letting me know that they've been here, you know. And, and I think because often we kind of, you know, kill, kill, kill. Oh, it's a, yeah, he's wearing a sack and he has three gold, or three copper pieces. But he probably doesn't. That little Cobalt has probably stolen something from somebody that everyone else is sharing the same type of loot. and kind of tells a little bit of a story. So yeah. I think how their their cave system, how they how they are decorated, should reflect what's going on in the campaign. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot, especially if they are hitting like, if you've got a, a encounter, you've been set off on a quest to find out why people have gone missing. Yeah, and they've gone through cobalt territory and whatnot. You're gonna hunt down the cobalts first. And they're going to be covered in the loot, but like, no, we didn't kill them. Yeah. We just... We, we found it. And I'd be like, well, you're wearing little Jessie's red shoes. She's the little girl that's gone missing. Like, like, dragon feet. Just. <laughs> your little dragon feet. Like, they're, as gloves, they're just they're not working properly. <laughs> but uh, it's not their fault. The the manticore ate the people. Yeah. We just sift through the poop and take the take the items, right? Delicious. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway... um. That brings us uh, that brings us to an end on the society. Any final thoughts before we move on to a commercial? Someone just talk to a kobold. That's all I want. I think forever now, every time I'm in a campaign, if I run up to a kobold, I'm going to talk to it. Talk to a kobold and DMs. Um, g- give them something a little bit more interesting to be wearing as well. They hit, let, tell a tale yeah. with their with their them kobolds. Them kobolds. Nurse kobolds. <laughs> Hey guys, Dan here with Adam. Um, normally this is a commercial spot, but because year one of the It's a Mimic podcast has surpassed all of our expectations because of you guys and uh, the interactions we've had with you guys, this community that's built up around this podcast, we really wanted to reach out to you guys and give you kind of a taste of what year two is going to be like. It's going to be even better. So normally we do lore episodes and uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to start looking at the popular campaign settings that have been published already for 5th edition. Our world building series that we've had through year one is changing to be a breakdown of the races in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Yeah, we're still going to do class breakdowns because we're not even halfway done the subclasses so each class is going to get even more subclass breakdowns as we go. Some of them will even have three or four episodes because of how many they have. Oh yeah. We're going to be changing our coverage of the mob mentalities and changing it to a portfolios as we break down some of the big monsters in D&D. Yep, we're also going to take our dungeon mastery episodes and we're going to focus more on mechanics and the nitty gritties of the game and how to use them in session. We are also still going to be continuing with our really popular dragon mastery episodes but instead of covering all the chromatics, now we're covering the metallics and more. We have more actual plays coming, including sequels to some of the stuff that we've already put out there. We've got more giveaways coming this year, more mailbags, and more random specials. But most importantly, the thing that Dan and I are the most excited about is this second show that we are building. It's called The Campaign Builder, and it's Adam and I with our two completely different DM styles, kind of building inspiration for a campaign from session zero to the very end. We're going session by session, tier by tier, level by level, encounter by encounter, idea by idea, even if they suck. (laughs) Yes, even the 
bad stuff will be in there so you can hear our foibles and how much that we are just as human as you. We also want your interaction. It's gonna be a highly interactive uh, show and so it's gonna be on the same channel. It's going to be an additional episode on the channel every week. So you're gonna to get to hear our voices twice. We're not apologizing for that. You're welcome. But you know where to find us, okay? But your friends don't. We have our website, it's www.itsamimic.com. We're on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and most of the podcast catchers. But the thing that we are lacking more than anything else is the word of mouth. It really helps us. We need reviews on iTunes and every podcast catcher out there. And, and we need social media tags. So I'm kind of selling my soul to please help us get the word out because this upcoming year is just gonna be more and more. It's bigger and better. And Dan is never gonna sleep again. No, no, I rarely sleep now as it is. Anyways, uh, guys, thank you again so much for the success of year one. We're really looking forward to year two, but we should really take the ball gag off of Terry because he's getting itchy and we need to record. Yes, that's more excitement than I'm comfortable with. Okay, guys, so we've talked about kobolds um, and how they live in their society and what their their societal structure looks like and kind of what we like for them for um, social or even environmental um, encounters. But let's talk about combat. These guys suck. <laughs> they're they're a CR 1 8th. They have a pitiful AC. They have 2d6 minus 2 hit points, which is an average of 5 in the monster manual. And all their stats have a negative modifier except dexterity. They can move 30 feet. I was really hoping they could move 40 just so they could scamper and be a little bit more hit and run. Yeah, yeah. But they but it's only 30. They have 60 feet of dark vision. And they do get pack tactics, which gives advantage on attack rolls if there's a functional ally within five feet of the target. So if they're unconscious or incapacitated or stunned, it's not going to work. Gonna work. Um, but you notice that it didn't say uh, advantage on melee attack rolls. Right. So if you can get a couple of um, larger allies, uh, animals and whatnot, uh, that they've trained, which we'll talk about in a second, to get in there... They can sit back with their slings and they can do ranged attacks and stay out of the way. Mm -hmm. So that's a. It was really interesting to me that I didn't see the word melee with pack tactics because there are a couple of places in the Monster Manual where you do see that. And I think that's perfectly justified because they avoid combat if they can. They'll stay back. They'll stay as far away as possible, right? Yeah. And they do have a dagger and a sling attack, both with a plus four to hit and a 1d4 plus two damage. So the only difference is range. The sling has uh, 30 feet for regular um, range and then disadvantage up to 120 feet, which means that still they're within the average character's movement, right? So I feel like they've got to be, they run forward a little bit, hit, and then run back. Yeah. And that's got to be their tactic. They're, they're coming in waves. Yeah. Um, and I, they just scream hit and run to me. Kobolds work together in battle and they instinctively know what to do to help the overall tribe. They don't need many, if any, verbal communications and they almost never squabble. They're like a well-oiled machine. Whereas you've got goblins and whatnot that'll do infighting and be like, hey, go over there. No, you go over there. I'm going to go over here. Yeah. The kobolds just look at each other and go, okay, that's where I'm going. Like, yeah. They just, it's not a hive mind, but it's, they've all got the same idea. It's like an understanding of yeah. how they operate. They're like mini Spartans. Yeah. Um, the tactics described in Volos are simple but very effective. They extinguish light sources. They use decoys. 
They rely on poisons and hit-and-run tactics. And it's all basic warfare techniques for kobolds, right? It's pretty straightforward. That's what you'd expect for CR8 cowardly lot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have very few intelligent allies because they avoid most intelligent races. But they do tame small animals and beasts like rats and dire rats and small lizards. If it dwells in a cave, they probably like it, except wolves and bears, which will prey on kobolds. They keep insects as pest control and occasionally food, and giant weasels and giant bats serve as their mounts. The other creatures are usually used as pets, guards, or beasts of burden, like things like goats and whatnot. They, they would have some, which, I mean, a goat would tower over, over some kobolds, right? Um, there's detailed description of a standard kobold lair in Volos as well, but it's mostly tunnels and traps except for a few notable areas. They have escape tunnels. So you guys stop me if there's something that, like, um, sparks your imagination here. Sure. They've got escape tunnels, kilns and crafting areas, mines, mushroom farms, root cellars, sleeping areas, throne rooms. And the sleeping areas and the throne rooms are often the biggest thing in the, like, the biggest chamber in the entire lair and are the same thing. And how, um, what kind of conditions do they live in? Are they living in squalor, like goblins, or are they actually crafting beds? No, they don't craft beds. As a matter of fact, they have, they carve out little impressions, little indents in the floor, and they just, like, lie in that. Yeah. Megan, you didn't know that. No. Megan's going along with your hand signals. Adam, it's an audio medium. For those of you at home, Adam used his hand to say, like, indents, and Megan went along with it as though she knew, but I don't believe she did. There's nooks. This is all we talked about the last two weeks about this, just sleeping nooks of, of It doesn't kobolds. even say nooks on your paper. You just bite it nothing. Nooks. Would, would you like a pen <laughs> real quick? Nooks. Um, so, yeah, the throne rooms and the sleeping areas are often the same thing. So the throne room, and it, it's funny because it doesn't really talk about leaders anywhere. Right. Um, but there's obviously going to be some leaders. Um, and so they're going to probably sleep up in a chair. Everybody else sleeps in these little indents on yeah. the ground. But there's no, uh, they're not overly, they're not ambitious, right? They're not trying to overtake the leader. No, they're there for, um, no, they're absolutely not because that would be bad for the tribe. Yeah. Right. And the idea that if an important leader died, the next hatched or the next laid egg will have the soul of the leader reincarnated. And then they, they take that and they groom that cobalt back up to it. They want their leaders to constantly be in power. Right. They're not they're not really power hungry like bullywugs are always murdering each other for, yeah. for power, right? Hmm. Uh, they also have shrines uh, to Kirtlemac and they have lots of... It's funny because they really take the time and the effort to talk about the number of deep pit toilets that they have in cobalt layers. Whether it's just these little dead ends with a great big hole... Which I guess they squat over. Right. And that's in canon now. Interestingly, Delightful. there's nothing that's set aside for their animals. So you may have to add something in there for like pens or whatnot. I'm assuming they're not sleeping with their giant weasels or like the bats. No. Aren't dropping guano upon them in their eating areas. Right. So you'd probably need to. Well, from what I understood, like their living spaces are very segregated. Like they sleep here, they eat here, they make babies here. They like that's how I kind of understood. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's like very specific twenty to forty feet of tunnel between each room. Yeah. So, like, yeah, to your point, like they don't really have like place for their animals, but they probably have like a room that this is designated to where they would house those things. What are their if they have any? What are their you know vices? I mean, we do caffeine, alcohol. 
ketamine, whatever, whatever you're into. But I mean, did, what did they do? Did they I'm just picturing now like herbs? a cobalt opium den. <laughs> yeah, that's like the best thing. But, yeah, but that's a legit thing. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> This is the relaxation circle. <laughs> That's where the vegan ones stay. Megan's going hard on vegans. I got no problem with vegans. Um, I'm not sure they have vices. Again, because they're not mammals, they're not looking for that uh, that concept of affection or love or satisfaction. They're just doing the next thing to procreate for the good of the tribe. Right. They have no hole. They have no void to fill. Yes. Right, so. yeah. But I feel like if they they specifically were a part of a tribe that required them to do something specific, like the, say a dragon, their goal was to collect treasure. I feel like their vice would be, oh, I found the biggest piece of treasure. Like yeah. that's like they would have to go. Their like desire would be to go out and get the largest piece. Of well, treasure. it's funny because they talk about mining and they talk about crafting, and while they will scavenge their basic necessities and magic items. They're not out for my own personal horde. Mm-hmm. They're out for what's going to help the the group. The greater the tribe, good, yeah. right? The greater good. The greater the cloud <laughs> um, decides who will go and who will stay. <laughs> um, that was not their voice. Who was that? That was Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> it's a very different movie. <laughs> well, they are kind of cannibalistic sometimes. Yes, we're still on topic. There we go. Um, there's also a big list in Volos of the traps. And it's pretty extensive. It has your basic pit traps and hot oil and spikes. But there's some more interesting ones, and I pulled a handful out. Um, They have bells set up to trip wires to announce intruders. They have mine elevators that are just rigged to fall that they don't use. Uh, They've got caltrops and sharp objects that are buried in shallow mud that the kobolds can run across and not sink into the mud. Mm -hmm. But heavier creatures will definitely sink down onto these sharp objects. Mm -hmm. They uh, use nets extensively. They have crates of centipedes that they will break open and just like release centipedes. <laughs> just imagine a bunch of kobolds riding a centipede. Well, this is well, I they have giant centipedes. Like they're, they're, <laughs> that's actually a stat block in the back of the monster manual. Oh my God. Yeah, so they absolutely could, right? I like it. This is how I imagine kobolds and their traps is not because they're not they're not killers really I and mean, they'll try and kill you to defend themselves but it's more if you're going into a kobold den for me as the dm i'm just gonna try and piss you off as much as i can like i'm not gonna um hit you with something and set you on fire i'm just gonna tar and feather your barbarian and then yeah. he's gonna walk around like that yeah. Yeah, absolutely they, like it's nets and snares and yeah. weak bridges that they can run across, but you can't. They're going to have to murder the party. The first time that the, the paladin steps on the bridge, he's going to hear the crack under his foot and stop. And now you can't go any further, right? Yeah. Um, they've got My favorite one, though, was they have spikes with diseases. I don't know what that means. Well, but they use that poisons the, and stuff. Like that no, it's, it specifically said diseases. diseases? Oh, yeah. oh, God. So I'm not sure. It's just like they just rub smallpox. I was going to say smallpox. Like, smallpox. Yeah. <laughs> We call this the malaria cave. Oh, Lord. Like, so, I feel like now they would have a giant map on the wall of just all the different things that are in there. <laughs> the malaria tunnel. Like, like the Home Alone map? The Home Alone With map. the battle plan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Tar and feather corner. Tar and feather. That's it. Even their poisons. I love a little poster at the bottom. Find more chickens, need more feathers. <laughs> <laughs> Just passive aggressive notes and stuff. Yeah. Someone was supposed to go and get feathers, Dave. <laughs> so now all we have is tar. Yeah. 
Even their poisons, though, I wouldn't be doing a big amounts of, of, of poison damage. I would just be doing really inconvenient things. Like, you, you take a poison dart, and your hands and your feet swell up. Okay. Well, no, now you've lost proficiency with your longbow. Or just yeah. that part hands goes numb. Or it yeah. just goes numb. Or your eyes just start bleeding. <laughs> that, that's more than inconvenient. That's, that's an issue. No, but it'll be like 1d4 bleed damage every minute or something. Just deal with that. <laughs> or... Even this, this sounds stupid. You just have a, a bad reaction and just three minutes later, you shit yourself. And now you have disadvantage on stealth checks. I, I, no, I love the idea of you getting hit with this thing that you're just allergic to and you just can't stop sneezing. Like your, your eyes... But it's just a regular like, bee sting or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm allergic to bees. <laughs> just a wad of peanut butter comes flying out. <laughs> It's a, hey, is a fighter okay? I really need an antipad. Megan's dying. God damn it, Megan. Megan! <laughs> Starting to sound sarcastic. Sorry. <laughs> and she just pretended to be Dan. There it goes. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's roll the initiative again. I want to talk about co- real combat now. Um... All right, we're just gonna roll it. We're just dying. Okay. Doesn't matter the fuck she wants. Okay. Uh, all right, I'm going first with a 14. I'm going last with a six. Megan's going second. That with is a clearly 10. an eight. Wear glasses, Terry. I need contacts, but I haven't had my prescription checked in about seven years, so this is a bad thing. Yeah. You're driving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You say that with confidence. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then, did you hear like the mild yeah, regret? Yeah. Result? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I count like after the exit. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 left. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gets out before he drives anywhere. He just counts the paces besides the car. <laughs> All right. So back to kobolds. Um, I guess I'm asking myself this first. Uh, what tactics should players use against kobolds? And frankly, with their low um, hit points and their absolutely terrible uh, stats, except for Dex, which only has a plus two. Yeah. Um, area of effects. Right. Yeah. That's, that just screams, I mean, kobolds are what you want to just, when, you know the spell sleep that always just seems like a piece of shit because it's, it, it's fucking shit. You're right. I've yeah, always thought of that. Yeah. Where you're sitting there and you cast it and it's like, well, you take 40 hit points and the person with the fewest hit points falls yeah. asleep first and then you remove their number of hit points from the total and then you move to the next one. How unnecessarily complicated r- spell. Yeah. Right. Like I just. Fireball. <laughs> But kobolds are what the spell sleep is made for. Just put them all to sleep. Oh, I bet it's so cute. You can just like, they, I just picture one like sitting there's leg twitching, a yeah. little like snot bubble. That's him, he's dreaming. Yeah. yeah. He's dreaming. Um, and the other thing is, in combat, intimidation. They're obviously cowardly. So you need to remind the kobolds how many of them have already been killed since initiative began. Yeah. Hey. Three of the eight of you are already dead. I'm coming for you next. Yeah. They're going to run. And right? it's been six seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? You see that guy over there? He, he hasn't even raged yet, yeah. right? I think that would, would end a cobalt encounter. They would all just shit the pants on their next turn and take off. 
Right. So that's that's my answer. Right. Mm-hmm. Area of effect or intimidation. Mm-hmm. Um, who is next? Megan, what do you got? Um, I would say that the, you just get up close and try and separate them as much as possible if you need to. We learned that they don't have the bonus on melee attacks. So this is where your fighters would get up close so that they don't have the ability to have that bonus, um, as well as just separating them so they don't get their pack tactics options. So if you have movement abilities or abilities that after you hit, you can move character, that kind of stuff to start separating them. Yeah, yeah your, your area of effect, like your grease stuff too, is yeah. anything that's going to make difficult terrain to separate them from closing the distance would work yeah, as well. because they can't run from you, technically. Mm-hmm. They, they run the same speed that you do, so if you close the distance, yeah. then they are more beneficial to actually just end it. Mm-hmm. So... Do you have anything else? Or is that, no, that's that, that the big it. one? Yeah. Terry, what do you got? Countermind the traps is my big idea. <laughs> they they have their go-to practices that they're going to do, and they can't really think outside of the box because they think their plan is already set. They have all of these crafty little traps. If you, not to metagame, but have done some sort of check or whatever where you can um, deduce that they're going to be using traps against you, you got to think one step ahead. you got to start countermining those traps ahead of time. Preferably to use on them. This is a trick I learned years ago playing Skyrim. Use their traps against them, Megan. Write that down. You probably already know that. <laughs> so countermine traps early is my big piece of advice because then you're manipulating the battlefield and the environment to what you need it to be and they have nothing left after that. Did you know that the only way in 5th edition, the only official way that you can set a trap is if you have sleight of hand and thieves tools? You can disarm them with one or the other, but if you're proficient in both, then you can then take that trap and re-engineer it for yourself. No, I hear what you're saying there, but I just mean try and find some way to set it off. Like, if you're in the middle of a combat, Thunderwave, for example, is going to set a tripwire off, or it's going to set yeah. something off, or the, the big swinging log is going to come down. And if you can do that when you want it to happen, not when they want it to happen to you you'll be able to change the, the battlefield to how you want it to be. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you think that you would use, like, Mage Hand or Tensor's Floating Disc or something like that? Uh, just a magic field of some sort to, to go would, through? Yeah, but also even the, the... I think what gets overlooked is lots of times they'll be like, okay, so if you have a big log that's swinging from ropes, it's up there, it's going to come down any second. Why is, like, Fireball or some sort of fire spell that burns, why are, these not, why are they not affecting these ropes? Why is uh, why is Thunderwave not setting up the trip wires or whatever traps on the door? Well, that's gonna that's uh, gray area. It does specifically say on some spells, and I want to say it's like Control Flame or Produce mm-hmm. Flame, where it says Flame and not Fire. Mm-hmm. That's where you get to start setting things on fire around you. Yeah. Whereas Fireball specifically does not say anything about that, and it's generally ruled that it does not ignite anything. Right. Yeah. There is that big explosion that melts your eyebrows off, like your barbecue blowing up mm-hmm. but it doesn't nest like when you have just too much gas in the yeah you boof no, there it yeah. goes right but it's not gonna it's not setting your shirt on fire no right? and, and that was just one example of, of trying to use fire but i mean even any type of spell or something that is going to do some sort of say bludgeoning damage for example well yeah hell use a crossbow yeah right if you yeah, can see if it you, there even right? if you just go mundane yeah use a crossbow but my thing is if you can countermine those set those traps off when you want them to go off not when they want them to go off then you're going to adjust things in your favor. Because they're going to be, well, in my game at least, they're going to be everywhere. It's not going to be one trap every two hallways. Yeah. They're going to, the place is going to be littered with them. It's going to be like Home Alone. 
Yeah. Tar and feathers, two steps. Paint can to the Tar face, feathers, two every... steps. Hole in the ground with yeah, spikes, except two I'd steps. I'd go crazy. It wouldn't be a paint can coming down. I would take inspiration from that. It would be like when they inevitably like looted the elves or whatever and took their like their elf rope. It would be like a rhinoceros, which is strung up to the ceiling. <laughs> and then just <laughs> comes down. Oh, they forgot to feed her for the last two weeks. No, no dead also, rhinoceros. Just, just a dead rhinoceros just gores you into the water. That would be an awesome clue, though, if this map did exist. You have a note, post-it note that says feed the rhinoceros. But, yeah. but, 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 but it's falling down and it's like on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Your perception check of 20 saw that. The kobolds uh, obviously You get like yeah. a checklist of like a to-do list for the kobolds and like feed the rhinoceros is not being checked off yet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so okay I would also caution though on that same vein like you said Thunderwave and I was thinking about this earlier actually specifically Thunderwave isn't that dangerous to do in tunnels collapse yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It is, but I was just throwing out examples. No, no, yeah, no, okay, but, but even and we're talking cobalt traps. I just think traps in general. If you see all of the open holes in the wall that inevitably the darts are going to come out, and you're trying to find a way to the thing, just stand back. I'm going to do a thunder wave. I imagine that's probably going to set the triggers yeah. off on these poison darts. Yeah, or I'm just going to pick up that cobalt and roll him bowling ball style down this exactly. Hallway. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like it. Um, so what tactics should DMs use while playing kobolds? Mm-hmm. Uh, my big thing was going to be double up traps, like you said. Oh, the idea of stepping over the tripwire, congratulating yourself, and stepping onto the pit trap. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, it's, a, it's like when when the rogue rolls investigation. So mad. <laughs> when, when they're, when they're so checking bad. for traps. That and, happened to me when I fell down the pit trap and then the gelatinous cube fell on me. I was like, fuck you, that's two traps. <laughs> no, but when the rogue rolls a 14 on their investigation, that is enough to, to see the one trap. Yeah. It is not enough to see two traps, right? So I think there would be two or three. And this is, this is what you're saying. And the pit trap is huge for a cobalt. It's only five feet deep. Yeah. You're not taking any damage. You just... Maybe just you take falling. one. Yeah. You take one damage or you're just oh, you're suddenly ankle. prone. <laughs> like, yeah. Right? So... Yeah. But it's it's not enough to be deadly. It's enough to be a deterrent. Yeah. Right? Well, so... Annoying as heck. Um, and the, uh, the other thing is I would consistently harass PCs. I would have guerrilla warfare style. If it's out in the open, if you're not down in the tunnels, if it's... Because, you know, it's, it's jungle warfare. They're out in the, the tropical areas. They are in the distance. They're up in the trees. They are, and they're able to swing on vines because they've got the good decks and whatnot. And they're up there just with their slings shooting down. And your paladin can't get up there. And your barbarian has got to start making athletics checks to get up there. And by then, they've all escaped. And, and I love the idea of them hitting... And then running away, just dash, just yeah. disappear, and they all scatter different directions. You may catch one. Yeah. Yeah. And then while you are interrogating it, ten more come back and they hit you again once, and then fuck up. You never get a short rest. Yeah. Because they're just consistently harassing you all of the time. Yeah. And, and as a DM, I would I could play a four hour session with them just trying to interrogate one kobold and getting interrupted over and over until they deal with this threat. Yeah. And the threat could just simply like the way to deal with it is. Social encounter, put up a white flag, say, okay, look, wait, this is dumb, stop it. Yeah. You gave me a black eye, I'm not dying, just stop it. <laughs> You're just it. annoying. Yeah. You're just right. annoying. Just even, talk to the kobolds. Even, <laughs> even if you could hear them communicate with each other, like the Negan style, in the yeah. woods, you'd be like, fuck off, get away from me. I yeah. just imagine like the predator clicking, just like, <laughs> I'm not going to try it, yeah. but that's all I imagine. 
<laughs> I, I, I like warriors come out and uh, play <laughs> right clink clink uh, clink still stands up that movie um, I've never seen it you know that you've oh, never seen geez. the warriors oh, fuck off you haven't seen Labyrinth of the Dark Crystal <laughs> yeah you can just fuck right off <laughs> 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 Megan, uh, for DM tactics, what what do you think? Um, well, I thought it'd just be neat to just play on a, similar to like Real Warfare, but more along the lines of give them something bigger, 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 bigger and shinier to fight, and then the horde of kobolds are more of an annoyance. So you have like a big bad that you're going after. But then all of a sudden, it's the kobolds that are the, like, say you're going after a dragon, it has a horde of kobolds, so you're fighting this dragon that you have to focus on because it's your big bad, but now you have this horde of kobolds that they now have to tactically try and figure out who is going to take what, who is going to go where, mm-hmm. how are we going to handle this situation from a bigger standpoint. That's a really good point, too, with, <laughs> with them being minions of dragons. Obviously, that is a thing, yeah. right? And, but there's only, like, two little sentences about it in the base material. About, yeah, they really worship dragons like gods. Yeah. And yeah. that's it, right? Like, you'd think that they would be consistently... In the dragon section, you find, like, oh, they keep some kobolds around sometimes. But the kobolds themselves, in in the books, it doesn't say anything about them allying with dragons at all. You gotta... You had to dig a little bit deeper in some of the stranger corners of the book. Yeah. So. And if you find it more in the dragon area than you do in the kobold area when you're doing yeah. your research. Yeah. Like what, where, who they're, like. Who the minions are the for minions them. Minions are for them. Right. Yeah. Which makes it difficult when you're planning a campaign ahead of time. Like, okay, who are the dragon minions? I mean, I have kobolds. Who, who's their boss, right? Yeah. You've done kobolds for the, for tier one. Now it's tier two. And you want them to have secretly just been the first line of defense against. Uh, the party because there's a great big I don't know necromancer lich yeah. what are we dealing with right there should be more in there about dragons and kobolds yeah. um, especially because there are other versions that we're not talking about today of kobolds that have wings and special magical abilities and shit right so yeah. so they you you would think that they would draw more parallels in the kobold section which is odd absolutely and like the whole concept of usually if you're going after a big dragon like that you usually go through like a horde of kobolds or something to give you the clue that you're getting closer yeah and then all of a sudden you go to fight the big bad and the kobolds are gone yeah it's like no they would defend their dragon for the better of the horde like dragon goes so goes our our business yeah, they'd be right? coming in behind you yeah, yeah so for the greater good they would for the greater Come to the good, defense, right? For the so good. that's that's what I would say is give them something bigger, bigger and shinier <laughs> to fight, and then bother them with kobolds. <laughs> On your logic of bigger, shinier should be shinier. Find shinier. Shine, that is a word. <laughs> okay. Shinier. Shinier. Okay. Well, I agree with everything you guys have said. And the only thing I want to add on, and I touched on it a little bit earlier, is I want to get much more experimental with the cobalt use of poison, um, which is not... And I have a few examples of one of those. Not necessarily just to cause damage, but to just do fuckier, thing, fucky, fuckier things <laughs> to annoy the party to stop them doing what they want to do. Biggier, fuckier You're things. Right. Biggier, fuckier things. That's going to be the title of this episode so, now. Different effects. Biggier and fuckier things. <laughs> sure, you could do regular things like blindness, but I mentioned earlier the swelling of the hands and feet. So if you swell their feet with poison, and they can't move as fast it's half movement if you swell their hands they lose all of their proficiencies if they shit themselves they have disadvantage on stealth checks you can make the barbarian and charisma checks I would and say and charisma checks of sure um, if you do something you mentioned allergies earlier if you swell their tongue their casters are now useless that's true yeah and they can't talk to the kobolds so if you swell their tongue um, if you get them bleeding from their eyeball for 1d4 of uh, damage I love that you're just, I'm just hitting the guy in the back with the allergen <laughs> 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 I, 
I, this is a dart with the top ten allergies. Just a cobalt box. Strawberries. Cobalt box with a bunch of needles, just a scratch test on but the it's, back. It's the, the thing that players. It's the thing that players won't think about. It'll be a comical moment for them. Your tongue swells up and you sound kind of stupid. Oh, they, they, they have their yeah. funny little moment until fifteen minutes later they come into combat. Oh, I cast uh, fireball. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, Your yeah. tongue is swollen. You can't say those. How you would say that? Yeah, please. Yeah, try it. I cast fireball. <laughs> you cast furball? Was that what you cast? Yeah, Furbles? Exactly. A furball appears. <laughs> um, and, and I, I like delayed effects. I like the idea of, this, say, the poison spray that goes off in the room, but nothing happens. Just kind of smells funny until the human fighter with the torch walks in and it was natural. Fair warning, it smells like eggs. <laughs> They've added that smell in beforehand. <laughs> yeah, the They're smell smart in. enough to do that. Yeah. That's right. So I, I, I love things like that because it's comical and it keeps players on their toes because it's not just hit point damage. It's how are they going to fuck with us today? Yeah. That's what I love. Yeah. That's it, That suits Cobalt so well. Um, okay, so then my last question in this section is their allies. I talked briefly about their mounts and their pets and whatnot. Um, and it is just kind of small beasts. They're not really teaming up. I mean... There are, there are dragons, mm-hmm. right? And they do hang out with, with humans. But do you guys have any tactics for, for how you would use the allies? And I roll first, so I'll answer first. Um, I would use lots of insects. Make some people skin crawl. Yeah. Megan, you don't like bugs as a general rule. Fucking gross. Yeah. So the idea of them just like smashing the crate and giant wasps come out. Like I, I was going to give the, I even in my notes here the same thing, but I was going to say aerial combat, just dropping jars of wasps, giant wasps. Oh yeah, yeah, no, but that that's really cool. I like that, especially from on top of their just bats, wasp grenade, right? <laughs> yeah, like that's fantastic. I like that. Um, but uh, I, yeah, use more insects. I like the idea of the ground appears to be moving upon closer inspection. It is ten thousand millipedes. Yeah, right? <laughs> and it, you're just getting hit by swarms consistently. Yeah. You're never going to be able to kill them all unless you light the ground on fire. But you got to get through the room somehow, mm-hmm. right? So I like the idea of a lot of kobolds riding one giant snake. I was going to say yeah. the centipede. Just. <laughs> yeah, um, and I and I would encourage their them to use decoys where they have like a weak and pitiful kobold in the middle of the room going oh no no they're coming ringing a bell go no 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 yeah. and then they get in the door like caves in behind them and then the kobold has an easy escape route that the others can't fit through and just like ducks down a hole yeah right caving in the hole behind him as he goes oh like coyotes they do that yeah and so now you have this room that you're trapped in and god knows what's coming out of the woodwork there right like yeah. what traps are in this room how do you get out and you can have an like exploration encounter in there or or even drop your your rhinoceros or whatever like like the bigger angrier bad guy the ally into that room yeah um maybe a massive spider that they feed a cobalt to once every three days stupid right <laughs> for the greater good <laughs> um, volunteers for it yeah what about the idea of uh, even if the dm rolls beforehand what about the idea of the traps don't always work perfectly are they are they master crafted traps or sometimes they're just not going to work right? Apparently they are master crafted. Like they they really does say that these guys are really smart. I think goblins setting traps, I don't know, roll ahead of time, see if they're gonna go off. But yeah. if kobolds are doing it, I mean that's their jam. That's the thing, that's what the whole tribe has worked towards forever, and they put the right people in the right jobs. Right. So it's not like they're gonna have the kobold with the dunce cap making yeah. traps. He's gonna be farming mushrooms, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like uh, 
I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> this one for the sack and one for me. <laughs> right? It just but I, I like the idea of of there being they have to be the best trap makers out there. Yeah. Right? Even better than your your party's rogue. They've got to be better at traps mm-hmm. because the rogue has got to be able to not be able to disarm some. Mm-hmm. So if it is like, oh, hey, it's the trap and the trap is just like a clay pot. God knows it's going to come out of it. And then they trigger it and it just kind of crumbles. Yeah. That's going to take away the the urgency or, or the weight of this cobalt encounter that you're mm-hmm. that you've been that you've been building to. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Megan, what do you have? Um, I kind of leaned into a similar aspect, but more along the lines of taking advantage of their mounts um, in the sense that use them for their escape plan. So should something go awry, their traps aren't working, the humans are coming, this is the end of it. They have like little tiny escape tunnels and then they're guarded by mounts or like, like literally if you think of a tiny tunnel, like 10 mounts in a row and then their escape Right. Mm. I love the idea of them getting back up to the surface, and if you can get out in time, you remember Lord of the Rings and they're heading to Helm's Deep. And it's had like the long lineup of people walking single file. Yeah. But yeah. now it's just giant weasels and dire rats and goats, as yeah. far as the eye can see, exactly. with cobalt. Yeah. Faster. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I like how that's the voice we have for them. But but I just thought that would be neat. Is like you go through this whole tunnel, you lose the cobalt, and all of a sudden you're face-to-face with, like, these mount creatures of any kind just randomly hanging out in this tunnel that you are probably too large to fit in in the first place. And now you're stuck there with this. I can fit, but these nine goats won't back up. Yeah. (laughs) Because in my mind, I was like, what is going to defend them if they can't defend themselves and it's going to be their mounts? They'll throw those things out first, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So... Yeah. Terry, what do you have? Uh, didn't I go already? No, you added on to me saying insects. You, that you said the line. I jumped yeah. my turn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, did you? Well, I like the idea of them being up on giant bats, whipping these these aerial grenades down. I think mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be just insects. It can be like hot tar and and um, like little areas of... They're throwing down these, these clay pots full of caltrops. Yeah. Right or just sh- broken glass shards, right? So they throw it down and it shatters, and now there's difficult terrain that does damage in this area. Yeah, right. So it's just, I feel like the cobalts are just going to annoy and needle your players to the point where they give up. I like, and if they, if you know, when you said before that if they come across magic items that they're fascinated by, if they've figured out what it does. Even just using that, like, I have Somehow this idea of, trap, like, yeah. like, a cursed diamond or something. They'd just be like, in a jar. Psh, and the yeah. they're throwing diamonds at us, I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, diamonds! So it's going to be It's a sentient cursed diamond. <laughs> oh, no! no fuck! <laughs> there's there's a freaking pit fiend inside of it. Like, <laughs> the cobalts are just... It's a small green statue. But pick it up! <laughs> All right, so are there any other thoughts about Cobalt Combat? I mean, obviously, pack tactics, that's the big thing, right? Obviously, dragons, that's another big thing. that We haven't really talked about a whole bunch, but I feel like these are foregone conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like they're not used to the best of their abilities, just because we do use them as, like, As comedic cannon fodder. Yeah, when really you could dig into something a little bit more complicated if you felt like it. You can get real expert, and this sounds so stupid, but just watch Home Alone. So they just take some ideas, just replace the paint cans with the right. You should watch the labyrinth. And just I Yeah, you yeah. really should. For the ninth episode in a row, Terry watch Labyrinth. Boys in D D. 
You are actually, I would like to watch you watch the Labyrinth okay. movie. Could this because, be an evening? Yeah, like this, it feels like, like we all need to sit beside the TV and just watch Terry's well, reaction. Well, I just have my fingers together like this. This would be a moving. reaction YouTube video. Well, this does, doesn't even make sense. I right? hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, it. Um, <laughs> so, just really quickly, Terry, you've experienced a cobalt horde. In the past, um, do you remember Acronis showing up for the first time? Oh, fuck that guy, yeah. <laughs> I do. So, uh, do you want to talk for a second about how scary Acronis and his cronies were? Mm, I don't remember the situation. Uh, exactly oh, okay. What happened. Uh, all right. So, Sorry. It, it, don't disrespect your game, Adam. But there are thousands of fucking things that you do to annoy me on a weekly basis. So, <laughs> so okay. This was a while ago. This was about a year and a half ago. And uh, Acronis was the... I remember l- blood. Something what, to do with dragon blood. That's all I remember. Uh, oh, much later. Much but, later. Um, the initial encounter was you guys were trying to get into a walled city that had been walled off and abandoned. And you were running through the farmer's fields as... Thousands and thousands and thousands of kobolds were coming at you. Oh, we ended up in a barn or a house. You ended up in a farmhouse, and yep. all your NPCs ended up in a neighboring barn. Yeah. And they were they had barricaded themselves in, and you guys had a whole bunch of different windows that were that you had to barricade or or shoot out of as these every time you killed one. Three more would step forward. Yeah, Jamie thunderwaved me. That's all I remember about this encounter. <laughs> and do you remember uh, Jess ended up uh, teleporting to the top of the barn by herself? Yep, I remember that. And leaving the rest of you behind? And a dragon came. A dragon did show up. Yeah. yeah. But do you remember how terrifying... Like, you guys were going to just straight up lose that encounter. Yeah. That dragon had rescued you. Yeah. How? Do you remember how that went? It was just pure... Well, it was just pure action economy because of the amount of people that they had... I remember we barricaded the windows and then we were making our way upstairs. Jamie Thunder waved me mm-hmm. and I don't remember much after that. <laughs> um, I can tell you because I keep pretty extensive notes. Okay. Obviously. obviously. No, no one is surprised by that. You guys managed to kill 296 kobolds in seven rounds. Not me. I was the champion fighter. But <laughs> uh, Well, you ended up standing, <laughs> you ended up standing you at, at the top of the stairs because it was a bottleneck. Yeah. And you were fighting them coming up. But every time that you would kill two, two more would step forward. And then the nine behind them would also get to hit you with their slings. That's right. And so you were just getting pelted with with these little like ball bearings. I was getting like stones. stoned to death. Yeah. yeah but they, they were often just like plinking off your armor because they only had a plus four to hit. So they you, were, you had an AC of like 17 or 18 at the time. Yeah. So most of them were missing, but it was enough... To the point where you had to pull back and retreat just from the concept of overwhelming numbers. Right. But a level 8 party lasted 7 rounds, killing 298, and we're still losing. Mm -hmm. That's the level of horde that I think of when I think of a mob. We've been talking about mob mentalities and mass combat and how do you put them all together for months now, right? This is the sixth one of these episodes. That's always what I think of, of what is a proper mob and how scary is that horde? And though I mean, my math breaks down to level eight party, two hundred and ninety-eight cobalts. There, like there it is. Yeah. Um, and you needed a dragon to rescue. You guys were going to lose. Jess was on like two hit points left, and you were on a handful of hit points left. And Jamie was just pacing and yelling and like <laughs> thunder waving. Whatever thunder waving. I'm so mad. I'm gonna thunder wave the. I fighter. think I. 
in his defense, I think I told him to because he was trying to create distance, I think, so he could get past. And I said I had no hit points. Yeah. I was like, just thunder wave me. I'll be all right. Yeah. And uh, if I remember most of those kills, he had like 110 kills yeah. just by himself. From- I think he did a lightning bolt like straight yeah, down because I think he was, trying, he was trying to hit Acronis. Yeah, and he lightning bolted straight down. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing that happened was Acronis was the leader, and he was super annoying. You guys hated him from the moment he opened his mouth, and you all targeted him over and over again. But every time that he took any damage, everybody else because he had more hit points because he was the leader. Everybody else would then jump in the way, and he was this. There were like there's a mound of kobolds. Yeah, all moving and riding. President. Around. Yeah, and, and they were all <laughs> they were all doing that, and he was in the very middle of it. Yeah, so that everyone else would get hit first, and their leader would survive, and then they ended up dragging him away with like two hit points left when the dragon showed up. But that was that was a unique scenario of them being on the offensive because they have overwhelming numbers. Yeah. Would you guys say that they would be on the offensive if they had three thousand or four? You think they would go after the the gnome? Um, the gnome encampment, if if they could, but they don't have any ambition other than what's good for the tribe. Except fuck gnomes. That's one of their only things. But who's coming up with the idea? Because their main idea is protect is protect the tribe, not eliminate other people. True, except gnomes. Except gnomes. Yeah, and that's that's really right in it. Except gnomes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you, do you think that they would would do that, or do you think they would still hold they back? I guess they would. Yeah, I mean, they're not. I don't. They're not intelligent enough to think of the consequences, you know, of of who might be allied with those gnomes or but who's coming not afterwards. Also, not. They're also not reckless. Like that's yeah. written as well. They're not a reckless. That's group. true. They really are not reckless. Yeah. So they uh, wouldn't necessarily put themselves in danger if they felt it would not be for the greater good, shall we say. So if they were going to lose more numbers than they thought, like, I feel like they're smart enough to know not to do that. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I could see it going either way. Like, yeah. I feel like if something told them to do it, like, yeah. let's say there is the bigger bad or the dragon or something, yeah. says, I need these things destroyed. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, for the heart, they'd do it. Yeah. But, yeah. But if they were just acting on their own, trudging around... And I don't think you'd do it on their own. I think no. If there was a powerful enough magic item, or enough magic items, maybe they'd go for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there needs to be a... There would have to be a, a motivation at the point. They're not yeah. just gnolls. They're not just going for it. I think no. they would go for gnomes, so you're right. And, but I don't think they're smart enough to think of the consequences. No, don't they wouldn't they care about the consequence of killing all of them. No. But they, I don't think they would do it if they were on like 50 versus 10. Yeah, yeah. No, it would have to be significantly overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. And it would be, you're right. And the moment that the battle shifted against them, they're out. Yeah. yeah. So. Like, oh, we made, we made a mistake. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's their voice now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Retreat. <laughs> I don't even know what accent that don't is. I don't even know what the accent is. It's Mrs. Doubtfire. Is that what that was? <laughs> well, Mrs. Doubtfire is Scottish and so he speaks like this. <laughs> so speaks like this, dear. Really Not good. like this! <laughs> Hello! That was very good. <laughs> All right, so let's take a second to do a Doubtfire. shout out. <laughs> Sorry, do that again. That was excellent. Doubtfire. Nice. I like what? it. So um, I want to do a quick shout out. Um, and. I don't know. I've not spoken to Terry about this in the past. Megan, I don't know if you know this. In Vancouver here, there is a group of people that play... Um, hockey. Hockey. No. <laughs> <laughs> is that the Canucks? The Can Cups? The, the, uh, 
No, they, they play D&D, but they play it on a stage, and there's audience interaction, and there's a cover for it, and if you pay, and you can uh, go in and sit, and it takes place at a, I believe it's a cafe, it might be a bar, but they're out there, and they are performing every week, I believe it's on Wednesdays, <laughs> and... They, I think it's one Wednesday every month, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's the first. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I do then, know right? what you're talking about. Yeah, and yeah. they uh, and they let you like throw money in to to give advantage on rolls. Like you throw in two dollars, and then whoever's playing can re-roll or or whatnot, right? right. So there's a lot of there's a yeah. lot of audience interaction, but the whole thing is a drag show, and they all show up in in full costume of their characters and role play. On a stage on the first Wednesday of, of every month. Is this a Mrs. Doubtfire segue? Is this what this no, is? No, it, it really wasn't. No, it really wasn't. So look, look on, on my notes, I, I have them. They were already in there, but it's uh, it's Nooks. <laughs> uh, it's at fierceadventures.yvr, uh, and I've spoken to a. He's got a, like one of the guys that runs it is the GM Tim. He's on Instagram. Uh, so is this, is an Instagram page, uh, at fierceadventures.yvr. They're the most creative and funny people. I've spoken to him a couple of times, um, briefly in the past. I watch for their Instagram stories and, and I watch their videos and stuff. They're a riot. And if we don't record on a Wednesday sometime, cause that's when we always record, I'm going to their next show. If that ever lines up because it looks freaking amazing. Is that where Dan is right now? Uh, yes. Maybe. That bitch. That bitch. <laughs> but I, I feel like everybody should go support them because they're LGBT uh, friendly, which is fantastic. They're the only D&D drag show I've ever heard of. It's unique and it's a great audience um, interaction thing. It's, it's right downtown in Vancouver. People can go check them out and get the info and really go support them because I think they're just fantastic people. And it's hilarious and it's fun and it scratches your nerd itch. Love it. So uh, if you don't follow them, go follow them again. It's at fierceadventures.yvr. Fierce Adventures is all one word. Oh, fierce. Get it. Drag show. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Let's come to the uh, to the final part of the episode, which is how we would make uh, encounters and and campaigns. What we would do in kind of the broad strokes and how we would use kobolds specifically in uh, our own campaigns. So, do you want to roll initiative, and I'll sure. start asking some questions. Oh, 18. Oh, eight. the big dog. No! Eight and four for Megan. Uh, I think Megan went first, second, and third in that order. Well. Today's the day for it. <laughs> All right. So, Terry, uh, you yeah. first. What would you do to make kobold combat scarier at higher levels? Okay. So, kobold combat for me at higher levels is coming as you were getting closer to the big bat their big bad that they're going to be around is going to be dragons, right? So essentially you're getting towards the dragon lair where the most trusted and most capable trap makers, I believe, are going to be. So to increase the threat of the combat, you need to get more creative with your traps. And so we go away from just the odd poison dart. We're going full Donkey Kong, full Crash Bandicoot for me now. Snowballing traps, traps that are setting off other traps, traps where the pressure plate is over here, but the trap goes off 20 feet over there on top of the wizard. So I would just up the intensity and the creativity with the traps. You know, exploding barrels, catapults, smoke. What If they have latrines dug into the ground, why are they not setting their own shit on fire and smoking the place out um, if you're getting too close to their god that they want to protect? So for increasing the threat of combat, increase the threat of the traps, and if you're getting into those later tiers, go crazy with it. I like that. Mm-hmm. 
my answer is I want to put them in a desert. Right? It said cold bladder. They want warm areas and yeah. whatnot. But they don't like sand. So I would give them that hard pack wasteland, badland right. kind of Badlands. desert. Where they're... Um, imagine the party walking through uh, the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And they're heading towards a blue dragon. And the kobolds are up on the top where you can't get them. And they're just pushing boulders. It's not even about their slings anymore. <clears throat> they're just pushing rocks at this point. Yep. It's not even traps. They're just using the environment to their advantage. They can be dark uh, brown and tan and whatnot. So they can blend right in and have some sort of base camouflage. If you have enough of them using the environment against the party, setting off sinkholes and leading them into quicksand and whatnot, that's far deadlier than any pit trap that you're going to run into. Um, but one of the things we talked about in the Blue Dragon episode was how the Blue Dragons, they keep their lair underground in sand and in dirt. And so when you go in there, they will just cave it in on you and walk away. Yeah. And they will come back later to burrow in, get their horde, and... And fuck off again, right? And they're also going to take all your magic items because your corpse is down there now. Mm-hmm. Well, who's caving that shit in? The kobolds. You walk into the dragon lair and there's a single kobold standing there holding seven ropes. And all the ropes go up to the top of seven pillars. <laughs> and he just smiles at you and says, come get me. Yeah. For the greater good! And just pulls the ropes, right? <laughs> and here comes the ceiling. Like, that's kind of terrifying because every time that... Like, maybe you get away from that the first time, but then the second time that you turn the corner, all right, we went right, that guy caved in the ceiling, let's go left, there's another one standing there. Yeah. And you can see him. And then through down the tunnel, through the corridor, 300 feet beyond him, you can kind of see that there's another one standing there with more ropes. Yeah. And there's just all of these kobolds just kamikaze mission holding ropes ready to go. Yeah. I think that's a really fun way to make a single kobold way scarier is just lean into the environment. We're talking tunnels and underground cave shit. And then you have to talk to them because you got to go full negotiator. Yeah. Wait, 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 Walking in one guy with a bulletproof vest, <laughs> the white crisp shirt rolled up to the sleeves. He's yeah. one of you. Hold on. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he rips off the police velcro on the front and drops it off. It's Keanu Reeves, he's whispering for some reason. <laughs> Always a whisper. Always a whisper. Sexier that way. Oh my. Megan, what would you do to make? Um, I leaned into the terrain as well, more just along the sense of if you're trying to find a way to um, snub your wizards with their AOE attacks and snub your fighters with their abilities to use multiple attacks at a time in small amounts of space. Turn off the lights, you're underground. Anyone who can't see in the dark isn't going to be able to see. You're in a tunnel, but probably you are a single line. You can't actually move around. Yeah. Therefore, it admit, like takes away line of sight from those that can see in the dark. So most of your wizards can't actually use half their abilities because line of sight is gone. This sounds terrifying. You're, this is like a, a, my fear, my phobia. You're in a tunnel. You can't move. Your ranger can't use their bow and arrow because they're not within line of sight. Like your fighter probably can't see in the dark because it's probably And twisty variant. tunnels too. There should not be a 40 no. foot long straight shot. And like things coming shot. down from nope. the ceiling, to your point, the traps should be coming down from the ceilings, from the walls, from underneath you. Like. Yep. There yeah. is, you're in a tiny space with your elbows tucked into your body. Your fighter doesn't have range of motion. Oh, it should be absolute hell. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too. Like, it's in the in the rule set, if you are squeezing, if you're going through a space that's too small for you, you have disadvantage on attack rolls and saves that require decks. And, yeah. like, you're you're in some real trouble here. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, so you've limited your fighter, you've limited your wizard, you've limited your rogue. Can I throw in on what you're saying? Because this is the perfect time. A trap idea that I had for cobalts, which was parachuting grenades or wasps or whatever. So if, if those tunnels come out into a room that's maybe dark or maybe not, 
um, but these parachutes will take one round, six seconds to land, but you know where they're going to land because you can see them coming down. So it's all about where do you finish your turn mm-hmm. at the end because you know that if You're you finish here things. and it's going to, you know, have the 15 foot radius, 10 foot radius, whatever, yeah. it's coming down. But it's one of those, it's kind of like uh, musical chairs where it's, somebody is going to get hit because there's not enough room for everybody to not get hit. Yeah. So it's kind of like trying to Tetris your way around. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to throw that into somebody. And if throwing all... I didn't think of all the stuff you just threw in about, like, taking away their vision and their line of sight and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I'm going to include that now as well. Yeah, screwed. <laughs> you, you just you just sparked an idea for me for traps. Take a large opening, um, like, a, like a big cavern area. And so they step into it and... There are clay pots or glass jars or something. I like clay pots because you can't see what's in them. Yeah. Um, and they're, each one is set about 10 feet from the next. And there's a big grid work of them. And they're all connected by a spider web of like taut yeah. trip wires all over the place. If you trip one, you trip them all. And so the rogue has got to go through. And how many deck saves are you able to make as a party? Yeah. So everybody else is going to step back and just be like, rogue, this is your job. Right? And he's going to step in there and see, I've got to do this 30 times. Yeah. And I wouldn't fill it with fire that because he's going to have evasion or anything. Yeah. I'm going to fill it with toxic gas because that's a con save. They don't get like... Yeah. Poisons. Yeah. yeah. So they, they don't get that big, um, hey, I take no damage from this room full of fire. No, they're going to get hit by this. Yes. And then like it hits that. and then expands outward. That's the other thing that I was thinking about with tunnels. If you cast Fireball, which is what, a 20-foot radius? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've seen a Fireball in a game. But it's a 20-foot radius. If you do that in a 5-foot by 10-foot tunnel, yeah. is that that explosion... Just like ballooning out the back end of this into the next room. I would make that happen. Yeah, real cool. Yeah, if it's twenty by twenty, then that's four by four grid on your on a square grid map. That's sixteen squares. If you can really only fill two, where do the other fourteen squares go? Yeah, and I would just say the next nearest one and work it out. Maybe you end up. It just blasts back and hit your guys. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and the debris, like you now yeah. can't see, you're in difficult terrain. Like, yeah, that you, would be you can't breathe from the. Yeah. yeah, it burned up the oxygen here. I love, yeah. the, I love, I love the idea of them all being connected, but I also love the idea of them being separate because you can fill them with different things. So based on which order the rogue tries to um, deactivate them in, whichever one he fails at, that one might blind him. This one might disable something else. This one might... So it just... There's different um, penalties for each one. Mm. Oh, I love that added pressure, that stress. I, I would also make it a puzzle, too, where you have a different symbol on each one of these so that when you disarm it, then you can kind of figure, oh, this one was going to be a, a grease bomb that went off. Yeah. yeah. Right? I can see that symbol over there. I don't want to deal with grease, so I'm going to go over here instead. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So you can have a little more strategy. The further you go through this room... The more you know of what's happening in here, yeah. But if you if you fail once, even oh, you can get so creative with traps. And the, the bard is sitting back there with the ukulele, just going like, "You can do it, you can do it." Yeah. Just like yeah. inspiration. Bring, bring the barbarian in. Stand here. Extend your arm. Hold this. Do not let it drop. Hold it. Yeah. How many rounds can the strong barbarian hold this thing out at arm's length? Yeah. Uh, well, do you ever see the end of Punisher? The Tom Jane. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Or exactly. the grenade. Like yeah. yeah. Um, okay, we've kind of talked about social and exploration encounters. Do we have anything else we want to add to that? Was there anything else? We've kind of hit that over and over and over again. Could you befriend a kobold and convince them to t- let you know where the traps are? I have absolutely done that in campaigns as a player. Yeah. 
the handful of times I've been a player, I always end up with a cobalt sidekick. What about if you had, because you can play cobalt now as a playable race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are they going to be loyal? I guess it depends on backstory whether they're going to be loyal to you or to the cobalt. But. Well, it depends. I think that you can get, a, like a PC's motivation is going to be whatever the player wants it to be. Yeah. So if you just say, hey, look, I will give you another magic item every 10 days you're with me. And it's just a magic seed. Yeah. Right? That just, you know, turns blue. Like, yeah. there's nothing to it. Yeah. Right? You just go to the, to the magic shop, say, what's your most cheap, mundane, bullshit magic item? The cobalt doesn't know any better. Yeah. Right? And you just string the cobalt along every so often, right? Yeah. And eventually, he, you know the cobalt, the player's going to keep track. He's going to be like, okay, I have all 100 seeds. I'm out of here. Bye, guys. Yeah. I'm like, okay, wait, 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 wait. What else do we have? Well, the only thing we're not using is a deck of many things, right? Like, oh my god, can you imagine <laughs> the cobalt? Like, yes. <laughs> um, my, is there what anything? Is, is there anything for for social or environmental that you guys? Like, I just said creating a horde of your own. Like, you, you, make, you get your own cobalt. Your own cobalt. It's the same thing where you get one cobalt, just follow you around with your magical item. Just being a magical deity and like convincing them that, like, if you are a dragonborn character. And just convincing them that you are someone worth following of some mm-hmm. kind. Just have that charismatic conversation. And then you suddenly have a horde of cobalt. Yeah. Dragonborn should definitely ha- hold sway over. Yeah. Over cobalt. That makes a lot of sense to me. That mm-hmm. would be, yeah. I would I would, I would want to lean into that. If I was Dragonborn and I found a horde of cobalt, I'd be like, why are you following this bitch? Follow me. Let me go kill it and I'll take you. Right? Yeah. Like. I would, uh. My big thing is I like the idea of there being someone who said, like, a gnome comes to you and says, you need to go down into the sewers and eradicate these kobolds. They're driving me nuts. They're interrupting my business. You go down, you slaughter, like, 15 of them, and you turn the corner, and there's a human standing there in the middle of the sewers. He's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Stop this. These are city workers. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? Well, the gnome told us to. We're in a union. We're just gonna yeah. say we are a union, and you are disrupting our time. And then you Down go tools. You go. You go back to where the gnome is, and and he's just spray painted "fuck kobolds" on the wall and skip town, right? Yeah. Like, and that could, that would be that's a really good twist on a first quest. Yeah. For a for a new party. Talk to your kobolds. Talk to your kobolds. <laughs> Next, they're, now they're up top. They're giving speeches. One of them stood on a crate. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally a soapbox. Yeah, yeah. Now they're voting. Ugh. <laughs> uh, how do you guys handle a cobalt horde in game? Any thoughts? Oh, let me consult my notes. Who was going first? That's uh, you. Um, Come on, notes. How do you handle a cobalt? Um, oh, oh, as the DM. Sure. From me, from either direction. I mean, I'm thinking as a DM just because it's. So overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You need so many kobolds. Not yeah. like gnolls. A, a gnoll horde can be 20. Yeah. But kobolds, if they're going to be really threatening at beyond level 2, then you're going to need like 78 of them. Right? When it comes to mobs, you have to understand the goal, the motivation as the DM. The, if, for, for kobolds, it's probably not to, to try and kill everybody. They are probably going to try and steal something, anything magical. Typically, what players have on display is their weapons and their armor and their rings and things like that. Yeah, their arcane focus or holy symbol. Right, arcane focus. A lot of the other stuff's just in the bag of holding or whatever they can. So for the for the kobolds, you're going to handle a horde with constant movement, but not all as one. Not like gnolls. Um, you're going. They're they're splitting up, going in and out of their little tunnels because one of them is just trying to get their hands on something. Mm-hmm. And and I think that will stress the players more than these kobolds are trying to kill you all. It's becoming very apparent. They're just kind of trying to steal something. They just want the wizard spellbook. Yeah. But 
players, we say we're all on the same team, but honestly, if you could take the wizard spellbook and not my plus two sword, fuck it, I'd prefer that. So, <laughs> so see how tightly knit that party stays when you're forcing them to separate from each other and you're trying to steal something from one of them? They'll stab each other in the back so fast. It's hilarious. I want to take that to another degree and say that would they think that a wizard is a magic item? And would they just come in, surround the wizard, eight kobolds surround the wizard. They all have advantage on their grapple. Yeah. They pick up the wizard yeah. and fuck off into their into their um, caverns and down their tunnels or whatnot. Stick a couple of goats in the way, that's it. Yeah, and now you don't have your wizard. Yeah. <laughs> right? You wait, you wait for the wizard to be low on spell slots, mm-hmm. and then you just go kidnap the wizard. Yeah. Yeah. And that way you can have this kobold horde and this this big rescue mission. And then you go to the other room and you have a social encounter where the wizard does talk to the to the kobolds and Megan's happy. Yep. Right? So happy. Okay. <laughs> Megan, do you have anything that you want to add for, uh, for handling a kobold horde? Well, I actually kind of wanted to pose another question to it because I've never really DM'd a horde of kobolds in my existence. So I'm wondering, you just spoke earlier to having to DM a game where you had t- over 250 kobolds that you were mentally managing. Yeah. How do you manage that? Because I had such an overwhelming horde of 4,000 that the math doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. yeah. This was a war of attrition. And what I'm doing is I'm I'm just running a tally on the side. One hit kills. Minion rules. Mm-hmm. All of the kobolds act as kobolds. They all have one hit point. Yeah. So a hit is a kill. Is a kill. Okay. Um, if you are doing an area of effect on them, I will roll an odd number of d20s. If the majority of the d20s make the save, none of them take damage, I'll get out of the way. Mm-hmm. If uh, the majority don't make the save, which they won't, they're kobolds, then they will all die. Yeah. So it's it's the potency of that one area effect. And then I'm just replacing, okay, so you killed this one that was directly in front of you. On the next round, the next one steps forward. Yeah. And so this is just attrition of me saying how many people can attack, and I'm doing the math. The other thing that I did was I had added choke points. Mm-hmm. There are only five ways into this house. They barricaded three of them. I'm only worried about these two windows, which are, you know, they had the little five-foot square on the map. Therefore, I'm only worried about ten kobolds that can enter at any given time, maybe. And so that's how many can attack until Terry runs up the stairs and it takes one turn for the kobolds to flood in to the ground floor. And now I'm just worried about the one choke point mm-hmm. coming up the stairs. Yeah. So it looks like a horde, but it really isn't. I'm just running one encounter in a small, like, 10 foot by 10 foot space. Yeah. Over and over and over and over again, where you're technically killing the bad guy, but there's another one there a moment later. Yeah. Because yeah. the mission isn't to kill all 4,000. Right. Mission the mission is to... Is how to get out and this combat right yeah and you're not going to do it by overwhelming odds it's one of the first real combat puzzles i gave you guys as a party yeah and uh, and you guys are doing just crazy wacky things right from area of effects out here to barricading bedrooms upstairs and you were trying to make a choke point and jess is on the roof over there of of the barn trying to protect the npcs yeah the npcs are blasting spells out the windows the barn it was just it was crazy it was madness um but a lot of it was narration and because jess was up on a roof again over there there's only like a 10 foot by 20 foot space for me to put kobolds Mm -hmm. 
that's an easy combo. One person versus, what, five kobolds? Yeah. You're just doing that every round. It's yeah. a war of attrition. Each other. Yeah. yeah, and so everyone's like, huh, it's just kobolds. There's a lot of them. We'll protect our NPCs. We'll put them over here, and then we'll slaughter them. Round three? Oh, shit. Yeah. This is not getting any better. We're getting tired. Yeah. yeah. So... That's that's how I run a horde. Is I don't make it a big open battlefield. That's insanity. Yeah. And you're co- we were constantly being forced to withdraw because there was so many numbers. Like I might kill three in front of me, but I know if I don't move, my turn ends there, and then th- then it's their turn. So I have to move backwards, and then everyone else moves backwards, and we're just constantly being funneled. Yeah. yeah. You can kill the ones in front of you, but you have to get out of the way because the other ones yeah. are coming. And they've got thirty feet of movement. You have one reaction. You can kill one, mm-hmm. but the other six are running past you and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so that's these are the issues where you have to start thinking more tactically about the battlefield. The other thing that I do when I get really screwed with with um, uh, combat encounters is, and I was doing this actually last night, Terry, with the Tuesday group, when there were large groups of NPCs fighting, I will roll a D12 and a D10. The D12 is always the attacker. The D10 is always the defender. If the D12 is higher than the D10, attacks work, and the difference is um, is how many they lose out of their numbers by percentage. So I try to have it like 10 and 10. Mm-hmm. If I roll a D12 and a D10, the D12 comes in at 11. The D10 comes in at 3. That's a difference of 8. They lost 80% of their members. I'm not rolling attacks. Mm-hmm. This is just kind of how it what is. What you wipe out. Yeah. 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 And if it's going to be an overwhelming thing, like it's hill giants versus kobolds, then I'm going to roll three D12s against two D10s. And if, like, the D10s are never going to be higher than. Yeah. And, yeah. and that Tuesday group is purely all theater of the mind as well. Yeah. Which I think helps. You don't want to be using grids when there's, like, hundreds That's of That's another thing. I would not put this on a grid. No, we yeah. did that full combat theater of the mind, and it was it worked it, perfectly well. We yeah. drew our, like, the players, we drew our own little kind of map to keep track of where we were. But it wasn't in like the an house official or whatever map. that you were in. Uh, this yeah. was last night in oh. the Tuesday group. Um, yeah, you guys were on an open road and knolls were coming at you. Yeah. yeah. But they were like in lines, they were in ranks coming forward. Got you. And they were dropping gusts of wind and wait a minute, where do we put the wall of fire? And they were trying to figure out where their where their environment affecting spells were. So they drew out their own map to kind of get an idea of it and show me I want to drop it here. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you guys just eradicated those knolls for the most part. Yeah. Um, but it was, you have to get creative, and as long as it makes a certain amount of sense, and it is consistent, I think that people will just roll with it, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, if you sit down and say, well, okay, well, these three are wizards, so they're going to be a D8, but these two are rogues over here, and they're going to be a D6, and over here is going to be a fighter, and he's a D... You've overcomplicated shit, and yeah. people aren't following anymore, and if you screw up the math, the one person that is following is going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You screwed this up. So I keep it simple. Attackers versus defenders. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's it. If the defenders get a higher number or they tie, no damage. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Makes sense. So um, let's see. What else do we have? What was the original question? Well, exactly. How, how to handle hordes. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I was more, I went more tactical with that one, but I didn't know how to answer it because I've never had to do it. So. Do, do you have a tactical answer? Hard no. The hard no? No. Yeah, okay. It, it, this is something that stumps a lot of people because D&D is not a warfare game. Yeah. It is it, a war game, sure, but you're not you're, you're not, not controlling battalions. You're not, yeah. yeah. You're so. not, you may have the rank of general, but you're not leading armies in the right. battle, right? Yeah. So, um, guys, what time, do you, or what tier, I guess, 
do you stop using kobolds as regular bad guys? Terry? I think they should always be present. I think even if you get to those later tiers, if you are eventually fighting the ancient dragon, the presence of the kobolds should still be felt. And I don't mean that you're fighting them like swinging axes and stuff with them, but you're going to come across situations like what you said earlier, where that one kobold is holding the rope that's attached to four pillars that if he lets yeah. go, he's caving them in. You can use a kobold for that, and that makes sense because that kobold would be willing to die for what they perceive as their god, which is the ancient dragon who's three rooms down. So I think they should always be present. I don't think just because you got to tier four, all of a sudden the kobold should no longer be there and the dragon's cutting around on his own. Um, I think you're just changing how you're using them at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll agree with that. I think that as a combat creature where you are swinging an axe at them, yeah. I'm ending that by about tier eight. Or yeah. not tier, tier eight. three. Uh, yeah. No, no, no uh, level eight. Oh, level eight. Yeah, so solidly in tier two. I don't want you to be up at level 10 still fighting kobolds. You've probably done that for a year at this point. Yeah. Playing. It's time to move on to something else. And short of higher numbers. What about seeing them for the first time at level 8, though? But they're not... If everybody, everybody knows a kobold, they're squishy, they're easy to kill, but they're coming in and you're using them in this bizarre way. Yeah, okay, sure. And there are other kinds of kobolds, but we're just going to talk about the regular yeah. basic ones for now. Yes... Again, you're, you're looking at, at complicated, intricate traps, and you're talking about the sheer numbers yeah. that, that you have. At that point, by if you're finding them for the first time, there's got to be a social encounter that's attached to it. Yeah. Or you're hitting environment first, suddenly you're in cobalt territory, you weren't expecting this. You were hunting, I don't know, crucifix or bullets or something else that burrows, and you found these tunnels, and now, wait a minute, a trap just went off. Yeah. Right, and maybe a couple of natural ones did first, and you're not aware of, and then all of a sudden the clay pot blows up. You're like, "Well, fuck, what is that about?" And now you're in cobalt territory, and it caved in behind you, so you don't know where to go to get out. That's an interesting way of doing it. But then once you're out, you don't see those cobalts again, right? So I would say environment into combat, maybe social, and then yeah. if you can convince them, they'll just show you the way out. Yeah. Like, hey, we're here by accident. Oh, well, uh, it's two lefts and a right. Fuck off. Yeah. Right, <laughs> like uh, that's that's how I would would probably introduce kobolds at such a late stage in the game, yeah. without resulting or, or resorting rather to these huge combats like I gave you guys. You were level eight when I'm like, we're gonna we're gonna evil dead this or sorry, a night of the living dead this, which is was my inspiration for this. Yeah, attacking the farmhouse with overwhelming horde. I just substituted undead for kobolds because I wanted to be a little smarter, right? So. Um, hordes are difficult to run. You have to find a creative way to to give the impression of the horde without having to run the mechanical horde. And often that's just replacing or just having overwhelming numbers. Yeah. If you're standing at the bottom of a cliff and there's 19 kobolds up there with slings pelting rocks down at you, they step up to the edge, pelt rocks down, and step back. Yeah. Now you can't target them on your turn. You're holding a single action. So you, there's no bonus act like you can bonus action rage, but you can't bonus action um, attack and and do and do a regular attack because they're not there. You have nothing to target. Yeah. Right? You can hold your action and maybe let off a fireball, maybe, but they've got 25 more behind them. That's how you do it, is you have smaller combats that never end. Yeah. Right? And that's your horde. Mm-hmm. So that's a uh, 
I don't know. I say level eight. Mm-hmm. Anything beyond that, I've got other. I got other things to use for that. Yeah. I mean, that's what cultists are for. Right. Um, at that point, you're giving kobolds things like wands of magic missile, and, by, and that doesn't stack, right? No. And by level eight, you're right. We've got there's books and books of monsters we can use here, and we're getting a little bit more creative. By level eight, they're starting to see see weird, like otherworldly stuff, and maybe people are talking about different planes and things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that I I like the idea of having the kobolds at every level. And the reason for that is what I brought up at the very beginning, that we all assume that a kobold is a kobold. Your, our party is automatically going to kill it, ignore it, or just move on from it. So if you're, especially if you get to a level 15, level 16 character, and they see a kobold, they're going to move away from it, or they're just going to vanquish it and move on. Whereas really, now that I've read more about kobolds, the amount of creative crap that you can do with them, like, yeah. such as the terrain issues and like the, the cultist issues, like they can become a cult of their own if they felt like it. Like You could use these to your advantage if you wanted to. And then make it a more interesting interaction. So to your point, a social interaction or something like that to kind of add to the storyline yeah. um, of where they're going. So maybe not the big bad, shall we say, but I feel like they do need to be present in the fact that it's like throwing a wrench into the party of, oh, you threw me a kobold? And it's like, well, actually, this is integral to the storyline. Yeah. And it would surprise them more than anything. Yeah, no, I like that. I also like the idea of the fact that they are fervent believers um, that are... Like, in, in their gods. And their god could be... Okay, the dragons aren't their gods, but they will worship them like gods. Yeah. They still have their one god that's trapped. But they've got this this crazy amount of belief and faith in that what they're doing is right. And it's for the greater good. And, that, and with all the traps and shit... Does this not sound like terrorists to you guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, do, can't you picture them strapping explosives to their chests and running at the party? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they just they just are holding two small jars of alchemist fire and dashing towards the party. And if they get there in time, it does. It takes less than a bonus action to smash these together and blow up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or just setting a swarm of wasps on themselves and then running. Into the <laughs> <laughs> ow, 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 ow. Just breaking it right in front of them yeah. and running. Yeah. <laughs> but they die halfway yeah. there. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, do you guys have uh, one example of a cobalt encounter or a plot hook that you'd run in a campaign? Um, for I have a plot hook that I haven't fine-tuned, but I like the idea. Because kobolds are so annoying to deal with, I imagine. And it got me thinking about all those things out there in the world that are also annoying to deal with that I don't exactly know why they're there. Like wasps. Why do we need wasps? I don't know. I'm sure there's a reason that they're there. <laughs> so this idea of... They the, keep the hornet population in check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hornets are even worse. So uh, this idea that they're necessary for some reason. There's some creative way to come up with why we need them for like equal balance or they must be there they're they go out and they kill so many of these so it keeps this in balance so it's necessary to deal with them but fuck they're just really annoying mm-hmm. and if they get if their population grows too much we have to go and cull them a little bit but if you can find a way to make cobalts co- necessary and so they can't just slaughter them all i kind of want to throw that in but I just need to fine-tune it. Well, I like that if they've been hired by the humans to do, like, the waste and the, the sewers and stuff. Yeah. But now there's just too many of them down there. Yeah. And they're like, okay, look, guys, there's just too freaking many. We need you to, to cut it back by 20%. Yeah. Um, your population. Or we're going to send them off somewhere else. They just put them on a pirate ship and send it out into the, into the ocean and sink the ship. Right? <laughs> no, not Australia. <laughs> sink the ship. Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. That was, a, that was an old habit from my wow. people. <laughs> what? 
Uh, no, I yeah, I like that. The idea that you you can't kill all of them. We still need some. But how do you decide which ones to keep and and how many and, and all that? That's yeah. I'm just imagining farmers out in a field farming, and then like your group comes up to them like oh, kobolds. They run up and start to kill them. Same thing to your thing where like they just run and start killing them. The humans like what the heck are you doing? You're killing our workers, right? Yeah. Same concept. They're just farmers, but you just killed them for some stupid reason. I like or even the idea of I think it was Yellowstone National Park where there used to be American wolves and then they all died out. So they reintroduced wolves with Canadian wolves. And Canadian wolves are noticed bigger and so they fucking decimated everything and yeah. fucked everything up yeah. just that idea look we need a certain amount of cobalt go and find cobalt are those arctic cobalts they're fucking <laughs> so somebody, somebody shows up with lizard folk yeah, exactly. <laughs> basically the same thing right exactly. oh my god um, okay so my big plot hook um, and Terry you'll recognize this sure I, I love the idea of um, dragon parts um, I mean, you've killed a dragon and harvesting parts. They're inherently magical. It's a thing in all of my campaigns, Megan, you may not know this because we've never run into a dragon at this point. Um, if you eat a dragon heart in one sitting, you get plus 10 maximum hit points forever, permanently. Good to know. You can only do that once, right? You can't just eat multiple dragon hearts and be invincible. But I like the idea of kobolds. <laughs> juicing up and getting more they're getting tougher and they're getting levels or they're getting sorcerer abilities because they're drinking dragon blood and there's a dragon that is sitting there like pricking his finger and letting them suckle at at, like his bleeding finger and then all of a sudden they can cast magic missile yeah or they can sprout wings and fly or whatever the other um the like sub genre the sub monsters are yeah. um they get that because a dragon is imbuing them with their own blood i'm very happy that you go as dark as i do sometimes yeah <laughs> can't all be sunshine and rainbows in this game <laughs> um, like a good disease tell it tell it to dan who's like he just wants some sunlight in his D&D. Oh, it's no. been two years of pain. <laughs> uh, Megan, do you have any big plot hook or anything? Um, so I actually wanted to build on my plot hook that I made for the Black Dragons. Yep. Um, if anybody hasn't watched an episode, go watch it. And by watch it, I mean listen to it because this is yeah. a podcast. Um, so for anybody who has it, it was basically along the lines of that a Black Dragon had a horde of kobolds that would injure themselves specifically to worship their god. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So I said, okay, so now the party... Of of whatever, whatever comes in and kills that dragon, what happens to the kobolds? So I thought it'd be really neat now that these kobolds have watched their god die. Now they think death is the only way to really worship their god. So now they're their own horde that worships now a dead god. And to keep themselves alive, because after a uh, black dragon dies, it desolates the world, like their area. Yeah, the region. There's yeah. no food, etc. So now they actually hold fight club and kill each other, and the one who dies becomes food for the horde. That's cool. Oh, I like that. And so, and this only happens in this tiny little area, but that happened because a group of people killed their god, and they have nothing to do now, so what do they do? They create this new death is the only way to worship, so it's actually a good thing to sacrifice yourself, but then again, now what you're left with is the strongest of the cobalt horde, which means they're actually stronger than your regular cobalt horde so they're harder to fight oh and I love the idea of your low level party getting ambushed in the night and dragged in to be gladiators yes yeah <laughs> against these black dragon kobolds yeah. which may one day be for hire <laughs> and if you get a legion of two foot tall yep. black dragon kobolds that, that. that's awesome yeah, yeah. 
All right. Do we have any final thoughts at all about kobolds before we wrap up this episode? I've learned that I will always talk to my kobolds. Talk to your kobolds. <laughs> be, be more creative than you are being. Yes. Even more so than you think you now should be. Yeah. For the, the the tactics and the and the traps and and the, the the what they do can be so much more interesting. Just go with it. Just run with it. Doesn't just have to be uh, simple simple traps. That's my thought. Yeah. Anything, Megan? Final thoughts? Yeah, they don't just have to be fodder. Like they could actually have a reason and a rhyme for I being there. I love this idea of this elite legion. Of kobolds. Oh, yes. Because it's the strongest one. If they're just constantly doing Fight Club, the strongest yeah. ones that survive. Yeah. yeah. But it's an honor. It's not like it's a, this sucks, right? It's a, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, my final thought is I if I'm going to play a kobold, even with all the negative stats as a player, if I'm going to play um, an actual kobold PC, I'm going to be a barbarian just so I get the D12 hit die. Yeah. Because I want a kobold with 248 hit points. Yeah. Amazing. I just think that's a load of fucking fun. I would just have him scarred up. He would as live well. to over 100. Maybe yeah. a gladiator kobold is actually. Yeah, right? Like. A good, a good character. Like, I like the idea. And like two feet tall and raging. And is that is just like. Like the kneecap king, right? The, yeah. Like that's his big thing. He just, he wields this giant great maul. Yeah. Which is just a medium-sized club. Yeah. And he just runs around and just fucking wipes his people. He's just, just seen kneecaps. some shit. Yeah, right. He's just seen some shit. And when the other players are like, kneecaps. this guy needs to be an NPC. I take it back. I don't want a PC like this. <laughs> I want an NPC that is consistently trying to like, like goad your barbarian into getting into a fist fight. Oh, I love it. And just like in a bar. When the fighter's like, ah, I'm at half hit points. It fucking hurts. He's like, you know, no. Nothing of pain. Oh I was molded by it. I come from the black dragon. Oh my god! I also just thought if you blend your idea in about drinking the blood and eating the heart, yeah, like if the people didn't harvest the organs of this dragon, not only are the kobold doing Fight Club, but they're doing Fight Club hopped up on dragon blood that they've saved, yeah, and are just high yeah. as fuck. Or even just <laughs> like, like their eyes are super dilated. Just your- <laughs> Your NPC has these like old school, old school Uma Thurman Bane type yeah. little vials yeah, yeah, yeah. that just, yeah. just rages out. <laughs> what the fuck is he shooting? There's like a ground up dragon bone and they're sniffing the powder. Yeah. So Love it. Good. All right. Well, okay. That's it for this week's episode on Kobolds. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast. Make sure to check us out next week when we're covering player interactions. Oh! Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. Do you guys have claustrophobia? We've been talking about tunnels and kobolds and yeah. shit falling. Do you guys have claustrophobia? Yeah, I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of depths. Like, going caving and stuff, because I am just abundantly aware that I am I'm surrounded by a planet at all times. And I, I can't stand that. <laughs> it, it, it freaks me out to think of the fact that I can go down and then not be able to turn around and get back out. Yeah, and I don't like my arms being restricted at all. No, there's a... There was... The thing in the news not long ago about some guy who had crawled down 
and he was upside down and he got stuck and he couldn't get back out. He yeah. like physically couldn't get his arms above his head to do it. Horrendous. And the weight of his own body forced in on his lungs from the position and he just suffocated under his own weight. And there were tons of people up top that just couldn't get to him. No. And that just scares the holy shit out of I'm me. I'm not about that life. Also, I just don't think we need it. I think, uh, I feel like if it happens to you, nine times out of ten, it's your own fault. Just don't do those things. Stay right? away from it. Right? Like, I, I look at the people in the descent and I go, this would never happen to me. <laughs> it would never happen no, to me. No, I would, I would never do this. No, I learned those lessons. Now um, I'm afraid of it. Well, okay. Right, so, <laughs> actually, I wanted, I wanted to ask, do you guys, how, how would you include phobias in a, in a D&D campaign? Um, like, it's a big well, factor in Call of Cthulhu, right? Like, we remember that shit? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But would you do it in D&D? You mean against your players or, like, against you, or, the actual... Even as a player, PCs. would you choose, hey, I'm claustrophobic, and oh, then would for, you play the character trait? Yeah. Hmm, I would, but it tends to be the type of thing that other players will get annoyed about. Yes. If all of a sudden, if you're holding everybody back because you don't want to go into the tight space... Yeah, I'm just imagining you said, nope, not doing it. Nope. I'm not doing it. I'm sorry, I can't. I don't. Then you just become that asshole that isn't yeah, going to... Yeah, it's <laughs> just holding everything back. Exactly. I'll never again play a vegan adventurer. Yeah. <laughs> absolute nightmare. Vegan. <laughs> it's, 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 Everywhere you go. <laughs> terribly sorry. Is this Albert vegan? <laughs> I'm a paleo. Did yeah. you ever think about that? Play Curse of Strahd. You'll fit yeah. right in. You'll only eat Koto if you're a, what is that, a Pescatelian? Uh, pescatarian. Pescatarian. Yeah. Pescatelian. Pescatelian. That sounds like some kind of a bird. I so believe that's Pescatelian. It's a type of pelican. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no then to phobias at all? You wouldn't do that? Even for yourself? Would you just say like, hey, my guy's really scared. I just want disadvantage on perception checks I think if we were going to do phobias I would say okay player one if you which is what I call my players player one (laughs) if you have a phobia don't learn their names everybody needs to have some sort of uh, some sort of flaw like that that we can use but I think that that's what it fits in more into is the flaw of the character not necessarily whether it's a phobia but I mean I'd maybe make them roll a save or they're frightened or something so you would just use the frightened mechanic for it I mean why not right yeah Yeah. I find the frightened mechanic can be pretty um, crippling especially if there's no like creature it's usually about a creature right I think there should be a second stage to being frightened which is if you fail again you just start vomiting or something or just peeing (laughs) just peeing just pee yourself okay well you've thrown spiders down on this table multiple times yes uh, oh do you have you have arachnophobia I hate spiders really (laughs) Mm. I'm sorry Uh, yeah no they don't yeah they don't bother me that much I guess. Until they get to a certain size, but then that's just because humans are afraid of everything of a certain size. There's just too many legs. They're not of this world. So... Yeah. I'm fine until they start making noises. Like, like oh, some yeah. little big ones can hiss. When I, they start would, hissing I would you, pass out. Yeah, like, that's I would just... <laughs> and I don't know why. Like, it's... it's it's not inherently dangerous in and of itself, but the moment that it squeaks at you, you're like, fuck, no, that's just a rat with more legs. Yeah, I'm not dealing with that. No, no. I'm not about that life. No. That's, uh, it's, you called Dan to come over. Deal with it. <laughs> Does Dan like spiders? Or I, don't, I don't give a shit, but I, he's going to like them more than I do. Dan is subservient to us. <laughs> Edit this. So, <laughs> Edit the spider out. Yes. Thanks. Would you flip that, though? And then on a DM end, would you put, like, your monsters? Would you give them phobias? Uh, I would absolutely, for kobolds specifically, like, if, if 
this tribe of kobolds has been attacked repeatedly by the same party over and over again. Yeah. And they've just lost 50% of their numbers. Anytime they see anybody with, like, gleaming metal shirt on, they're just screaming and peeing and running away. <laughs> that I think that's... That's where you graduate from tier two to tier three, where you're not using kobolds that much anymore, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's because they're running screaming because you are the antichrist as far as they're concerned, right? Yeah. Anytime they hear someone say, I'm a vegan, they just run. (laughs) (laughs) Magneto was hospitalized today for low iron. (laughs) Boo. All right, here's something's going to drive Dan nuts because he watches the Marvel movies and the X-Men movies and stuff. It says that uh, the Winter Soldier is the one that actually shot JFK, but then it shows in one of the X-Men movies in a flashback that Magneto actually tried to stop the curve of the bullet from killing JFK, which means Magneto technically didn't defeat a guy with a metal arm, which doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Yeah. Science. So that Dan's going to sit there and be like, fuck Yeah. God damn. And then he's going to start looking up things on Reddit. Because that's your best source of information is Reddit. Is Reddit? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't go too deep in Reddit before I'm offended and I have to leave. Before I feel, <laughs> before I feel, like, before I feel personally attacked. The only subreddit I participate in is the, is the fuck Karen. Because it's all nice. customer yeah. service. Can I speak to your manager oh, can stuff? I speak to you? <laughs> oh, oh, I'd like that. The D&D subreddits are so toxic. Yeah. I posted in there twice, and I everybody's just got mad. Just fucking torn to bits. It's base. basically like a horde of kobolds. So, yeah, it really is. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> let's let's give it a five second pause for editing. <laughs> <laughs>